Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts. Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm JP. And I'm Carl. Hello, how are we lads? We had a, a quiet, quiet week last week. Uh, not a huge amount to talk about, and now it feels like everything has happened this weekend. I did the uh, the news update early Monday morning, slash really it was late Sunday night. I'd just finished watching uh, TakeOver when I did that thing. Uh, yeah, I, I was not awake in the morning, uh, four in the morning. I just hadn't gone to bed yet. Um, and if that was anything to go by, there was a fucking lot to talk about. And yeah, I think we've uh, we've got plenty to get through today, JP. Oh, it just went mental. Mm. Like last week, it was another one of those weeks where we were just like, oh, we've just launched the Patreon. Mm. And there's fuck all happening this weekend. Like, <laughs> I think the episode um, seriously, like, <laughs> well, it's it's the it's the MLW, isn't it? It's the Timothy Thatcher of podcast downloads. If we spent like, put it on there, <laughs> if we spend time on MLW, that usually means there's not much to talk about that week. I think that's kind of the rule mm. of thumb. <laughs> if we end up like spending like twenty minutes on FPL and forty minutes on MLW, that's when you know we're stretching. <laughs> That's kind and of the and if, more, and if if more than one of us is talking about MLW as well, yeah. you know we're really fucking stretching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've all looked at it like it's got to like the day of the podcast and we've all gone. Yeah. Shit, I haven't actually I've seen Dynamite and I didn't even finish that. What the fuck else am I gonna talk about tonight? It's the weeks when we have to go and on AEW Dark this mm. week, this is what happened. And then we start <laughs> going doing a deep dive into that. Oh, we're never um, becoming an AW Dark podcast, it's not happening. I, I, who's got time for that like even the they don't even like those tapings look like they run to like four in the morning they just they just like they ship all yeah. the fans out and then they just carry on wrestling through the night it sounds horrible it's a bit of my fucking it's a bit of my fucking life when i'm updating the app i'm like <laughs> you realize like, hell, it was dark last night and then i realize i'm gonna be here for the next two hours or something like that inputting <laughs> seven thousand matches right. <laughs> I'd forgotten that you have to put all of them into the app. There's definitely no growing. It was was like high five every week. (laughs) Yeah. Calm down. We don't need this many man. Oh, it, the, what, was it the first week you went, there's fucking 11 matches on this show? What's going on? It was 22 weeks later. Fucking <laughs> Don't think about you and your spreadsheet, mate. It's like, I'll be honest, the other week when I watched, when I have, I, like I said, I happened to watch SmackDown, <laughs> I wanted to put my ratings in the app, or last night when I was watching TakeOver, and I was like, oh, oh, Gareth hasn't put it in the app yet. And I half considered sending you a message uh, for the SmackDown, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to be one of those guys. I think, uh, <laughs> I think Gareth gets enough of that. I mean, people don't realise it's a, it's a, it's the spreadsheet's a one-man operation, isn't it? You do, uh, I don't know how you managed to, uh, to keep that thing updated. Shout out. <laughs> that's my favorite when big... someone like tweets you like hey gareth you forgot this all japan show from six weeks ago <laughs> it's like the first guy to notice <laughs> yeah. 
Thumbs up. No problem. <laughs> It'll be up there before you know it. Mm. Big, big Japan gets a fucking terribly raw deal off you, doesn't mm. it? It's very rarely updating that. <laughs> but does anyone care? It's got, be, it's got to be pretty fucking important for Big Japan. To it does. There's got to be a pretty big match or something like that. Or mm. I think so. I've actually heard. I've actually heard someone talk about you know for for it to actually go on. But I think someone will have to die in the ring in a in Big Japan for you to possibly for it to go up and up and go. Actually, we might have to. Oh, that sounds awful. Sorry. We can't rate the stars of that match. Oh, my God, this took a terrible part. <laughs> Moving away. <laughs> oh, what have you been up to then, uh, other than the, uh, the wrestling stuff, JP? Have you been out on your uh, your famous walks to, uh, to catch up on this weekend stuff? It's, uh, it's all you can yep. really do at the moment. It was snowing up here, so like I, I went for a walk. Walk, walk, walk to my, my local Greg's uh, the other day, and I got when I was there, they uh, I, I paid with my bank card, but they use I use like a curve card, which is like yeah, all your cards like one of those like like Revolve mm. where everything's connected, and I didn't realize I had the wrong card connected. Walked out with Greg's in my hand, and then I checked my phone, and the payment had declined. Free Greg's. I can never go back to that Greg's again, but. I walked out with a free couple of sausage rolls and a coffee, so that was a worthwhile walk for me. That's like the highlight of my weekend, if I'm honest. I got a knock on the door today, and it was um, it was like just eat, and someone they were delivering a Greg's to my house for somebody called Richard. Really, <laughs> really. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, nah, you must have, you must have the wrong house. I was thinking it's better. Oh, fucking uh, <laughs> Maybe one of our listeners has like tried to like has looked up Grapple or something on the internet or something. Got got the wires crossed and send them to uh, to Grapple Towers instead of uh, Grapple South. Grapple Towers, Corby. <laughs> yeah. oh, Corby, it's Crosby. What we're we talking about? Corby's near fucking Northlands. I think it is. Yeah, I get that a lot though. I get like the delivery fellows like for the wrong address and stuff, and I always think, yeah, I should pot look, just take it, see what happens, see what food you get. You never know. It might be something. Yeah, you, don't, you don't like it when people do that to your bin, though, do you? So oh fuck! You that was the best delivery I got this week. That is the best delivery <laughs> I got this week. I did get my purple bin, and no, anyone who saw the photo on Twitter, it did not get delivered through my letterbox. I just early in the morning. I heard a rumbling outside, and I knew exactly what it was. Nobody knocked. I just sprinted outside, basically in my underwear and a pair of socks, and grabbed that bin before anyone stole it. It has now got prouder place in the uh, in the, the backyard area. So yeah, I am now the the proud owner of a purple bin once again. My my Liverpool scout status is is unquestioned. Have you, wrote, have, have you wrote your name and number on it though? That's the most yeah. important thing. Mate, I put the number one. Like, I give it away. I leave it number one. No one knows what street it is. I put the number one on every fucking side of that purple bin, and I've literally scratched into the top my address. I've got a, I've got a fucking camera up. I've gone full insane. Like this is this bin is not getting stolen. Like I am I'm not allowing this to ever happen again. But that neighbour's a proper arsehole. Mm. Are they not going to get involved? Are you still got your eyes on them? Oh yeah, that's why the camera's up, mate. I'm uh, I'm catching all kinds. There was a there was a bit a bit of disturbance the other day. Like I was I was I was in bed. It was like three in the morning, and I kept hearing footsteps going past like my flat. So like I, I turned my camera on, had a little watch, which is like my my favourite hobby now. And there was just some fellow who looked like he was either running away from the police or charitably going for a jog at two in the morning, just sprinting down the road. And then about five minutes later, oh. he came sprinting the other way. It was quite scary watching it on night camera. I was like, it's like, what's going yeah. on? I don't know what's going on out there, but you know, it's useful. Did it's he stare up at the night? Did he stare up at the night camera as well? Because <laughs> like that's eyes. the stuff of fucking nightmares. <laughs> That's purge style shit going on there, isn't it? I've caught a lot of people doing that when I've like I've had a little look. Uh, we, uh, yeah, people walking past just have a little stare at the camera. But it's it's there to, it's there to deter more than anything. So I'm mm. glad of that. So anyone comes from my purple bin, they're fucked. 
Well, like last week, I've got one bit of advice um, with, uh, for dealing with the neighbour. Mm-hmm. Paper bag, dog shit, bangers, <laughs> and her, and 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 their post box and their uh, letterbox. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think that'll work. Uh, Goni in the chat yeah. asks what a purple bin is for. It's just, it's a right, it's just a big bin that you put your your bin bags in. Is it recycled? <laughs> is is it for bin bags? Not, re- not yeah, recycling. Not recycling. Recycling blue, blue in Liverpool. Purple's just the the general one because yeah, it can't be blue because of Everton. It can't be red because of Liverpool. So they went somewhere in the middle. That's basically <laughs> how that happened. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's a source of pride. Gareth hasn't got a purple bin, so I'm, I'm you know, I'm too much. What what colours your bin? <laughs> yeah, I've just got a normal black bin. We don't we don't get purple in in Sefton. We're uh, we're we're outside the uh, city boundary, so uh, wolves no goth bins. Yeah. <laughs> goth bins, yeah. Metal bins is what you've got. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Do you mark it with just like the guns and low like appetite for destruction album cover on the front cover? <laughs> number 26 written underneath it or something like that <laughs> well while i've been at war defender i've been what have you guys been up to anything anything interesting uh over the over the last week or so or is it just pure fucking wall-to-wall wrestling like it has been for me a shit ton of work mm. like last week i was desperate as i was speaking to you i'd finished work at like half past six that night and i was fucked at mm. that stage before before we'd started recording a 45 minute show in three hours but um <laughs> sorry again mate which is <laughs> It's all right. The worst it's thing a, is this is a three-hour one and it might so go nine. You, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Again, internet could go at any point, but it's mm. you know it adds an element of excitement, doesn't it? Danger. Um, there sometimes isn't there a bit of danger. Um, no, work was just completely kind of nightmarish. So it's like I almost switched off from everything mm. because I'm just like on Teams all day, go for a ridiculously long walk, listen to podcasts and um, and music and whatever. And then just come back and go to sleep and do it again. Except this week I've got off. So, but I've got nothing to do for mm-hmm. it as well. So like I'm mainly recording <laughs> with you guys, but there's no, and it's not as cold down here now. Mm-hmm. So now it's just sort of a bit miserable and gray Yeah, and we still can't go out anywhere. And the vaccine, was it 15 million people? And none of us three are any of those people, are we? We'll get that eventually. Is a bit. No, I know what you mean though, because it's like um, my yeah. Like when I told my mum I was launching this Patreon, I said it last week, I think on the uh, on the pre-show. Like she was like, "Oh, just make sure you you know you don't spend every night of your life uh, just doing podcast stuff. You've got to leave time for a social life." I was like, "This is my social life at this point. <laughs> like, what else have I got? It's just podcasting. There's nothing else to do." Yeah. <laughs> Socially distanced walk. Yeah. I could do a Zoom chat with some of my other mates, but that's basically a podcast anyway. So like why not? Why not just why not just talk some wrestling and record it? Like it's the same. It is. I just keep saying this. This is like my social life every Monday. Mm. Like this is like a, this is like going down the pub, basically, isn't it? Just like uh, yeah, yeah. Meet up, have a little chat about wrestling, some you know, have a beer maybe. And it's just uh, mm. hey, great. Yeah. That's basically it. Yeah. And and occasionally, like it'll, it, you know, th- that is what life is at the moment. So, like in terms of doing anything, and it's almost like any anger that I've got about the government at the moment, I'm just sort of ground down by it. By just sort of thinking, of course they're shit, and of course they're fucking things up. I'm not surprised at that in the slightest. So it's 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 funny. It's like I'm aware of all that stuff. I did watch a lot of the impeachment stuff. I won't lie. Um, which. By the way, I'm going to add the entire fault of it all is the Republican Party. No, mate, complete... it's not. It's Chris Jericho and his family's fault. That's 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 the. If you learned anything <laughs> right. from wrestling Twitter, mate, 
Chris Jericho is responsible for Trump being president, and Ricochet is responsible for the COVID outbreak. So there you go. Mm. Like, <laughs> okay, Casey, they're not bright people. No, I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask them their advice mm. on stuff. And um, yeah, and wrestlers and politics are always fucking dubious at the fucking best of times. Mm. I remember once people getting angry that Ric Flair was a Republican, and it was like, <laughs> have you seen his game? Ric Flair? Looks more like a Republican than any person on earth. Mm. Like, and he lives in South Carolina. If he mm. wasn't a Republican, I'd be stunned. Mm. Well, it's like, like, it's like Jericho. Like, I, I, we've said it before. Mm. Like, it wouldn't shock me if he's a gobshite who believes those things. He's had Don, he had Don Trump Jr. on his mm. podcast. He's donated. Like, okay. But at the same time, like, there were literally, I saw people on Twitter today literally tagging Tony Khan, going, Oh, Tony, what are you going to do something about this with, like, photo, with images of, like, Jericho's um, wife and mother in law at the, um, at the Capitol insurrection, which is terrible. Don't get mm. me wrong. It was an awful thing that happened. But it's like, it's kind of like you go into the son of, like, I think, I think Tony Khan's dad, at last check, I actually Googled it, is like the 150th most wealthy man in the entire world. <laughs> His son, Tony Khan, is also a billionaire who owns many companies. Do you think they're asked that somebody voted for the Republican Party? Do you not think it's more likely that they've probably got many sympathies for a, for a family who might vote Republican? Like, uh, people just, people lose their minds. They, they would have donated to. I know they, a lot of people they said oh, the Khans donated to the Republicans. They, big business and industrialists, donate to both sides mm-hmm. because they're always going to hedge their bets. Mm-hmm. That is unfortunately part of the problem with politics and money and funding and the way that it's set up, especially after the Citizens United law. Um, you know, this is it, it's not a surprise. I mean, what I think about it is like is that him backing Trump is. Like, that's a brand that's going downhill. And generally, Jericho's been very good at kind of keeping on top of trends about how to kind of refresh himself. Like, the the Trump brand will get more and more toxic over the next kind of couple of years. And there'll be a lot of people who will very quickly try and disassociate themselves from it. Mm. Um, they went there, though, because they will be, like, if you're thinking about, like, his mother-in-law, I'm assuming it's a steady diet of Fox news newsmax oan and facebook share if you agree posts <laughs> which are basically meant to make you make decisions based on shit you remember when you were six and how happy it was mm. like as, as far as i can tell if my aunts or anything to fucking go by that and captain it. tom memes that is your main things never forget mate all right <laughs> too soon <laughs> i apologize <laughs> Sorry, like I even make light of that. I mean, like, do you know how really to honour his memory? As I think I said on the pre-show last week, fund the fucking NHS. <laughs> All right, that's that's how you honour his memory. Mm. Sorry, I don't know why I had to shout there. It seems like I'm shouting at you and the people in the chat who I'm not. I'm just very fucking angry about it. <laughs> don't think we got any Trump voters in the chat either. So you know that's good. We'll take it. We got a we got a good sort uh, around these. Oh sorts, yeah, but yeah. I just again listen. 50% of your wrestlers are going to think what well, 50% of the American electorate think it's just the way it is if the if mm. the, mil- the millionaire middle class wrestler uh, supporting Trump is probably the, the least of our worries as much as a, a dickhead as he probably is 
<laughs> well, speaking of people who aren't stupid, JP, before we get into uh, the main stuff we're going to talk about today, um, we've got a, had a lot going on in the uh, in the Patreon last this this last week. Um, for anyone who's uh, not a subscriber, JP, what's uh, what, what have we had going on and what's coming up? Well, we've had uh, we've had our daily news updates, as you said. We've had one from you today, and getting from me last week. Um, we also had our uh, WCW Halloween Havoc '91 flashback review mm. um which is bloody good fun twice i like, had twice as many matches as i remember from that vhs which is a real shock for me and gareth mm. looking at going including what might be the worst squash match of all time and there's two candidates for that on the show um two two that shouldn't have been on you know wcw worldwide at 3 a.m <laughs> like they shouldn't have been on there mm. like never should have seen the light of day um, yeah, really fun show for that. And then we did our weekend preview as well, where we tried to kind of do things into a slightly condensed nature mm. without me rambling. But that's uh, it's fingers crossed that that ever goes on. But yeah, it's been very busy. Yeah, um, that's it. Yeah, we yeah, good fun. Obviously, yeah, as you say, weekend preview is uh, is every Friday where we're we're wrapping up the weekend news as well as a uh, preview in the fourth coming weekend. We'll have a another one of those on uh, this Friday coming up as well. And there's a the B pay per view this weekend, by the way, lads. I don't know if you's are you's uh, aware of that, but yeah, apparently uh, Elimination Chamber is next weekend. So yeah, Gareth, get, get on the app, get that sorted. <laughs> we'll people gonna look forward to that. We're also gonna have our first mixtape episode. Uh, but yeah, that's coming up this week as well as yeah, all of this stuff. And if you do want to uh, follow Spotlight Live uh, as we record it in video, as the people uh, live in the chat are doing with us uh, right now, um, again, you can uh, subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash grapple. Um, but enough for all that, enough for selling everything, lads. Let's get into the weekend wrestling. There's only one place to start. There was some news this weekend. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> look. Brit Ross is back, baby. It's <laughs> is that the title? Uh, I mean, we named the Patreon tier Brit Res is dead. We should have should have known better, JP. It's not really dead. It's just uh, it's never going to die. Is kind of what we uh, we learned this weekend. Um, it was a fun day on Twitter on Saturday. I, w- I will say, um, it was, uh, I haven't seen a mm. shitstorm like that, um, or unfortunately been right in the fucking middle of a shitstorm like that in in a good few months. It did feel like uh, Brit Res was back. It felt like 2018, mate. It felt like uh, that famous podcast uh, we did on the in- the Indie Corner all that time ago. Uh, it felt a b- mm. felt a bit like those times. Uh, believe it or not, there are pro- like I said, progress are are returning. They are going to be on the WWE Network as probably should have been expected what probably wasn't known was that it was it's launching as soon as next week the 20th uh, next saturday in fact is the is the first episode as as will said earlier it was of course um all happening the weekend after we recorded bwe uh, the will cooling curse strikes again um but yeah progress are back and i think the the, the biggest galling thing i found was that I can't. It, you know why it felt like 2017, JP? Because there are still people out there. There are still people out there after everything who were doing somersaults because progress was coming back and because they'd booked Lycos Jr. or whatever the fuck, you know, his dopey gimmick is. Um, Lycai. Oh, Christ. Yeah, well, there's two Lycai. Yeah, there's Lycai, isn't there? There's two Lycoses on, on this show now. Um, yeah, it was. <laughs> You know, I don't want to overblow, you know, Twitter drama, but it was a ridiculous day, you know, when when this news got announced. And I, I, I know it wasn't everyone, but the fact that there are still people out there who, you know, you, you get very excited that progress are coming back despite everything. 
shocked me, but maybe it shouldn't have. Maybe that says something about that brand and why it won't fucking die. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was big news. Uh, I don't know what was your what was your initial reaction to it, JP? Uh, were you expecting it? We are expecting the reaction to go. I think overwhelmingly, you know, there's a there's a lot of negativity in the air to, to quote a, a lot of the wrestlers who, who got a bit shirty about it all. But uh, mm. you know, there were people who were happy too. Um, yeah, were you were you shocked at all? Uh, no, I wasn't shocked. I mean, I think it had been reported. It had been reported by Dave Meltzer. <gasps> I know he got this right um, <laughs> a few weeks ago, where he said that they were going to be doing a whole batch series of tapings. So. I'd assumed even before the announcement that all of this stuff has been pre-taped quite a while ago. Mm. And it was like hearing the first thing was, was, everything was kind of COVID testing. And it's like, well, that's good of you Mm. during a pandemic, isn't it? (laughs) To kind of make sure that that no one tries to get COVID and he sort of bubble. Like, Mm. but I, like, I wasn't surprised when it came back, much like large swathes of, like, how I feel about it is I just hate the entire discourse around it because there's a kind of faux partisan nature to it that reminds me of like the kind of what the media tried to do with Oasis versus Blur trying to turn this into kind of progress versus Rev Pro. And it's very kind of manufactured Mm. because there never really was a kind of Rev Pro side Mm. to it. It's just an easier way of justifying that you're a hypocrite. By saying, well, Rev Pro did this and they didn't do that. So that makes it easier. And you're like, oh, God. And then it becomes, uh, you know, like how I felt about it is there's a lot of people who, it depends on the promotion, but they're entirely willing to do a 180 on what it is in terms of looking forward to going back. I mean, there's, I felt that like there are people within like kind of progress on these first few announcements. There's no one who was sort of mentioned during speaking out Mm -hmm. they appear to be the kind of fixtures on the card so there's that initially there are uh, there's obviously i think it was one of the first places they've moved to the theater a theater in peckham which is one of the first places which has kind of complied with the kind of covid safety guidelines so you go okay all right so that they're there um they've got a safeguarding policy it's like okay I mean, one of the things that I would say that we knew was, um, in terms of the the Rev Pro tapings, is there was there was there was safeguarding measures in place and a COVID policy in mm. place. They just weren't things that were public and transparent. Um, now, I think the safeguarding policy is transparent and is up on on the website for it, but it felt like hearing the kind of excitement and hearing a return to this old narrative of why can't you just enjoy the wrestling and be happy is how we got into all of this fucking shit Mm. in the first place Mm. that if there was one thing as fans that we are kind of, that we almost feel quite responsible for, for those of us who are hardcore fans and kind of, you know, we're very much sort of immersed in that scene is, is to keep a watchful eye over all of this and to see what is going on and to see about actually, are you changing? And the amount of people who are willing to kind of throw it away. And yet there were like the lack of the complete silence from the owners about anything tangible and meaningful has been fucking disgusting 
because they put themselves up there as the figureheads of Britress. Mm-hmm. And when it really came to important people speaking out, and this was all over, you know, they were fucking nowhere to be seen. Yeah, where are they? And in fact, yep, they're in WWE employment, mm-hmm. which has several wrestlers who are involved in this. And I don't know, like, I don't think WWE provides legal representation, but that it, at the same funding. time, it doesn't feel they provide the funding for it, and it doesn't feel like there's kind of been much of an investigation at their end. Other than they go, he said, she said, that's our kind of plause, uh, that's our our sort of way out of this. Yeah. So I always felt absolutely disgusted by that, um, and it, it like after he like, and unfortunately for this a lot of the reason why people never came out and spoke was the complete overreaction to Andy Quilden speaking on a podcast, which appears to be something that bothers people more than the owners of a company working with people like Sid Scala and Jordan Devlin on the reg. And within a company like WWE, which has so many fucking like awful things that they do. Like for example, in this last week in their record setting profit years, they didn't give any of their corporate employees bonuses or promotions. Yeah. Yeah. Record breaking profits. And where's that all going to, to kind of suggest that like this, this is all about a bottom line and just about a kind of churn that's there. Um, sorry, I'll take a breather for a sec. So <laughs> let you guys yeah, take no, over. No, you're right. It, you're not wrong. It makes me cross. It does. I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's, I, I don't think the fan element is the biggest thing. I would just say, be consistent. Nah, it if, isn't. It's if, annoying. If you were, if you were angry about Rev Pro coming back, and you think the difference here with progresses that they put safeguard and dot dot on a on their on a fucking website, like again, you're not living in the real. Like I fell for that too. I've I've, I've been that person. I've been mm. like, well, you know, as long as they got the documents on a website, like I, I feel like what we need to do is hold all these promotions to the same to the same level of accountability. Like you said, JP, the progress owners and the previous owners disappeared into into the ether. Progress. Look, this is gonna. I don't want this to turn into like the Rev Pro Defense League because Rev Pro had issues, continue to have issues. <clears throat> Andy Quilden made bad decisions, good decisions. Listen to yeah. our show in it at the time. Yeah, we were very. Which is very... something that people never actually do. They because <laughs> the simple narrative is to go. Well, you don't like progress, so you might like. You must love Rev Pro. Yeah, yeah. Which I is mean, the mentality of a fucking plum. Yeah, yeah. I, that was the thing. Rev Pro got held to account and deserved to get held to account. And there are things that Rev Pro have done that people. You know that 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 is not acceptable to people. Continuing to book, you know, Will Osprey. You know, for some people, that's a line in the sand. We talk, we've talked about that ad nauseum. But the thing, the thing, the difference here is progress. ICW Fight Club Pro. They're the places that were the the center mm. of this entire shitstorm. How many allegations came out of those places? How many allegations involved fans at those places, wrestlers at those places? The culture of those places where the the relationship between fans and wrestlers was was broken down. And like you said, JP, numerous abusers worked for Progress in the past, but numerous abusers, alleged abusers, I should say that, work for WWE, NXT UK now work in concert with uh, the current Progress owner. They work together you know on a basis of providing these progress shows like that the fact that progress are coming back and yes they've put safeguarding documents on their website yes you know they've, they've done a good job of 
putting together their safeguarding policies. Yes, like you said, JP, it shouldn't get lost that they are running shows that are out on face value, depending on who is working backstage. And believe me, I've heard things. But based on face value, the people working, they're doing the right thing as far as putting the right people out there. And there aren't people named and speaking out all of that. But they're appearing on the WWE Network. I Those two things don't compute to me. Like you said, with the list of people who are still working for, for WWE, for the fact that, you know, there's GoFundMe's around, there's Crowd Justice, you know, we're all donating to. Do you know why those exist? Because the people, the wrestlers who are suing those women or are suing those people um, who, who are having to defend themselves against legal action, it, that stuff's getting funded by the WWE. So I just don't... I. I know that progress as a business is completely embedded in this WWE relationship, but I just don't think you can have it both ways. Again, there are people behind the, side of the scenes at progress that are working hard to clearly to make this, you know, going forward a safer place. But I don't think that entirely atones for the sins of the past. I don't think that means we let them off the hook and we don't hold them to a, to a high standard. And the one thing I kept saying to people who were, kicking off at me going well what do you want them to do they're doing all the right things i'm sorry but progress wrestling has no divine right to continue to exist like with yeah. all of the issues that progress had and all of the issues that some of which are still not resolved does progress wrestling need to exist going forward maybe you know maybe if it has to exist in, in this form where it's still a, a wwe property on the one hand but then on the other hand they're trying to put their best foot forward as part, part of all this safeguard and stuff for me, that doesn't compute, and it says to me that maybe there isn't a reason for it to continue to exist. And again, I don't want it to get lost. This is an attack. This isn't an attack on the people who are working there, trying to make things better at Progress. This isn't even an attack on the you know the men and the women who have taken bookings at Progress. You know, for for these shows going forward, just like it shouldn't mm-hmm. have been for the people who took bookings with Rev Pro. You know, I, yeah. I I understand the situation we're in. There's not much work out there. I get it. If you're a wrestler and you need money and you're going to go and work at Progress, but the issue is, is, like I say, there are crimes of the past, and I don't use that word lightly. And the things that happened in Progress in the past, you can't just wash those away um, and then just act like they didn't happen and act like this is fine because you know Progress. Like you said, I've done the right thing about putting safeguard documents on the website or, you know, mm. having booked Osprey, for example. It goes deeper than that. And the, the issues were deeper than that in the past. And yeah, I just, I can't get my head around being excited for this. And, you know, as Jamesy said on Twitter, you know, whether you're someone, if you want to draw this up as a Rev Pro versus Progress thing, fine. But hold everybody to the same account. Ask questions. We had this conversation, like I said before, JP, three years ago, where it, four years yeah. ago, I think it was now, where, you know, Joe famously said, you know, negativity isn't necessarily a bad thing. Asking questions oh. isn't necessarily a bad thing. These companies need to be held to account. And I'm sorry, but if, you know, your excitement at Kid Like Us getting a book in is dampened some by people asking reasonable questions about what progress are doing to atone to their past and asking the reasonable question of whether they even need to continue to exist, then I don't know what to tell you because these questions need to be asked. Yeah, I mean, for me, I just I found it just like a very odd thing because like when I first saw the saw the logo flash up, like my initial reaction, I saw like Luke Jacobs, I saw Ethan Allen, I saw Big Guns Joe, and like I had that split second of like instant kind of like like oh yes, some of my faves are getting a good platform here, kind of thing. And then, but within within a matter of seconds, obviously, you're then thinking about like 
hang on, like we're in a lockdown. Is this is this yeah. necessary? Is this yeah. le- is this legal? And then and then you look and you're like, it's on WWE, and you're like, oh fuck WWE, you know, mm. <laughs> you know, sort of thing. And it's it's it was this sort of like within ten seconds, this so many sort of swathes of kind of. Uh, thoughts and opinions kind of thing running through my running through my head and um, thinking about it i think that i just kind of reiterate what you guys say really in terms of like i think you just have to just make sure that everybody's just held to the same standards though and i think i think the big part for me you know like I'm not somebody who kind of gets embroiled in things on Twitter and stuff. I generally kind of step Me neither, mate. back from uh, a, a lot of that. <laughs> it's that Will Cooling one. That up to you. I'll leave that up to you. But, um, <laughs> but I think it's when, you know, it's when, and, especially, and like this has been something as well over the last, you know, it's not just this weekend. It's over the last six months. It's over the last 12 months. And it's it's just that inconsistency and people bending logic and views to sort of fit their own preferences or their own narrative and things Mm -hmm. like that you know and like like you know if you said to me like am am i a progress fan or am i a rev pro fan you know if i asked you to you'd both be like yeah he's a progress fan you know i'm a multiple season you know i had a season ticket for multiple years i went to fucking new york to watch progress i didn't go to new york and as a consequence they happened to be there at the same time i went to watch progress you know for you know whatever you know they're they're a company that i've been you know massively invested in they're a company Mm. who've we've done stuff with grapple and it's you know in the past and that's it was a great leg up for, for grapple as well but then but then like then we were in the only interaction I, actually, the only interaction I've ever had with RevPro on a personal level is when I launched the app and they weren't on it, getting a snarky tweet from them about the fact that they weren't on it. So you know, yeah. nobody could accuse me of being yeah. like a RevPro guy over a Progress guy or, or, or anything like that. But you know, I look across the whole thing and it's like. Andy Q quickly stripped David Starr of the belt and disassociated close friends from the training school, and that seems to just be ignored and forgotten. But then he then talks on, you know, Will's podcast. He was very open about having an open door policy. I will talk about this issue in front of everybody, and it's like that mm. wasn't fine. Mm. Progress's owners disappear, have allegations against them, just you know, go get, disappear into the background and quiet for months. No, 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 that's fine. That's okay, kind of thing. So, so the guy speaking about it and trying to do things to address it, not fine. People disappearing, like fine. Mm. Then you get someone like Zack Saber Junior goes quiet. That's not fine. So it's not fine for Zack Saber Junior to go quiet, but it's fine for Progress to go quiet. But, um, but it's not fine for Andy Quilden to be talking about these issues everywhere. Then it's like NXT UK tweet about Sid Scala's birthday and you know Jordan mm. Devlin, and then that's not fine. And everyone retweets GoFundMe links and everything like that to support the you know the, the alleged victims and things. Progress get into you know Progress is on WWE Network. You know Vince McMahon's history. You know the allegations against people who are still working there and things like that. Oh, that's fine. It's fine. It's the WWE Network. That's fine. It's a, it's it, it's all good. You know it's like RevPro book Osprey, like boo boycott boycott RevPro, like laugh at them. You know like bring them down. New Japan book mm. Osprey. Oh well, I'm not watching the Osprey matches, but I'll still watch everything else. I'll still, still watch, watch Wrestle Kingdom. Kingdom except yeah. the Osprey. Yeah, except the Will Osprey uh, matches. You know it's like. Progress rush out a new management team within days. Mm. Love like speaking out happening. Like yay, well done, Progress. They've like addressed things, and then it's like half of the management team have to leave after new allegations are brought to life. Like boo, 
RevPro kind of take a bit of time, like put some things in place, put the equity things in place. Yeah. Yep, ignore that and for, for, forget about that. You know, Progress released a bit of paper that they put on their website. Yay, you know, kind of thing. They've put mm-hmm. the, you know, they've put a policy up. And it just seems like there's this, there's this whole um, I don't know, just inconsistency and people, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's almost judge people by one standards. And I understand that certain people are saying things, okay, yeah, they booked Will Ospreay and there's allocations there with him, they booked other 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 people. That's fine, that's fair enough. That's a that's a reason to do it. But uh, for for people to have certain opinions, and you know, I don't disagree with those opinions in a in a in a lot of ways, but it's not that linear. There's so many other facets going around and you can't just go hold one action or one element to account and then ignore everything else that's going on. And then equally, you can't go, oh, well, they didn't book Will Ospreay and they didn't book whoever, um, but let's ignore all this other stuff that's gone on around them. And it's fine. It's all good. It's fine. It's fine. It's on the WD network. It's fine that they're running a pandemic and um, it's, it's legal. It's all legal. And they've got people getting tested and they've got people staying in hotels like yeah, okay, okay. Like RevPro did the same, didn't they? And yeah. got pelters for it. Like, you know, yeah. it's you know, they have people in hotels, they have people getting tested and things like that. And everyone just wants to, you know, wants to ignore it. And it's, you know, and it's then you look back at it and it's like, well, well, where's the money coming from to be able to do all this stuff? And it's like, well, yeah, it's because of the relationship with the 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 WWE. And that's that that that's one of the things that I, you know, I, I, I struggle, you know, I've got no <laughs> like if I if I've got no foot in either camp at all, literally at mm. all, kind of thing. Like I just I just kind of want to just see things just be treated sort of fairly and consistently, mm. and let's hold everybody to account to the same things. And you know, I think one of the things I've talked about in the past here is like if you're sitting around here and you're waiting for absolute one hundred percent perfection True. to for things to start up and for things to be running correctly then you're just going to have to pack up and just leave, stop watching wrestling because things will never be 100% perfect, never. It's just not It's not happening. It's not achievable. And that's not a wrestling thing. That's a society thing. That's a world yeah. thing. There's cunts absolutely everywhere. There's mm. imperfection absolutely everywhere in the way yeah. policies are, in the way businesses are run. In the, you know, you know, God, you, you pick wrestling out there, you know, how many people cheered when convicted rapist Mike Tyson came out in the Attitude Era and kicked off all that stuff with with Steve Austin? You know, how many people look back on that fondly? Steve Austin, you know, Himself. personally yeah. been assault charged. If you went to a show tomorrow, if you were at WrestleMania tomorrow and the glass shatters and Austin comes out, how many people there are, you know, go, going off the box? You know, it's, it's, there's, it's, you know, people just, again, it all just comes back to this idea of just like bending your logic to, to fit, you know, fit whatever narrative you want to you, you want to feel and support and that's that's something that i i just i just find like i think if if you can strip things back and you and for me i'm like i mean you're probably more again you're like saying there ben is there a reason for progress to exist and i know that the people doing are doing good work work and whatever for me i'm like if i genuinely believe that the people running that company have got the best interests at heart and they're genuinely trying their best to make the best out of this situation and improve things, mm. make things better, not make things perfect, mm. make them better, then mm. I'm personally prepared to give them a go. And, and, I, and, I, and I don't believe that either of them have, you know, have, have got sort of the bad intentions. I think they've both got good intentions in their own way. Mm. They've gone about it differently mm. and they've got different layers of support and things behind them. But... Again, you still have to hold them to them them same standards. Yeah, totally. That's it, and it's about yeah. that. It's like 
you know, it's easy to, and it, this goes both ways, you know. This used to be the podcast of Rev Joe. You know, we have been accused before of having yeah. a heavy, of having a Rev Pro bias, you know. But it's e- it's easy in every way to be critical of the promotion you don't watch, and find ways to somersault logic to not be critical of the promotion you do watch, or not be critical of the promotion that some, you know that. Okay, yeah, the person behind the the safeguarding policy is one of your good friends. There, just just say that then. Just be honest. <laughs> if that's the, if that's the reason you want to give them a chance, yeah. Like, and it worries me, JP, because it's like it's not. This isn't just a progress thing either. Like those fucking cunts in Wolverhampton pop the red out <laughs> at some point. Like, where the fuck are they? Where are they? Like, and not not just the people who ran the company, the wrestlers who are heavily involved in that company. Like, where the fuck are they? Because they lived with them all. Yeah, all lived li- together. Yeah, but they're still our heroes. That's not a problem. Like, in the house owned by Trent Seven. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. I don't know. Allegedly, yeah. he did. Yeah. yeah. Um, Wrestle House has a lot to answer for. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Um, but that was one of the problems is that when the initial, it was one of the things I said on an earlier podcast um, about this is that actually one of the things, um, and this is when there were the first sort of signs of certainly equity kind of being involved and saying, well, actually, what are the processes that wrestling companies are going to have to go through in order to almost become like kind of properly legitimate? And because there's not as many of them on companies' house as you would think. Mm. Um which kind of makes you then wonder just generally about how sketchy they are. But um, with these companies, all of the things they needed to get into place um, for this. And uh, and it it felt like the kind of, like a part of that that was really needed was some sort of tr- truth and reconciliation commission, which is never going to be able to happen. But an idea of who knew what and when, mm-hmm. and an idea of kind of like culpability and a, and a sense of kind of everyone pardon the pun sort of speaking out and being able to kind of say say what happened with a sort of air of transparency mm. and very very quickly it went into kind of a slightly partisan overdrive which killed the idea of any open conversations because the one time it did happen it was it was behind a paywall it was too long and he didn't say the things that i exactly wanted him to say mm. which comes down to what you were saying before it's about this idea of like what gareth was saying about the idea of the perfect policies and all of this stuff in place because life isn't perfect mm. and how do we know this because if you if you live and the longer you live the more you kind of learn that the world is full of assholes mm. all right um and part of the problem with all of this is it allow it sets the scene for this all to start up again, and the same kind of like kind of words of like being very open and uh, being very open to kind of letting any company come back and certain wrestlers because they were nice to you at a merch table and things like this. And it once that happens and things start to get in a roll, like you don't put the genie back in the bottle. There will be certain people who won't go but we'll find that the same kind of system goes up again and again. And any criticism of this, because I think of when you talk about the podcast we did four years ago and the reason why we were critical, like we were being critical because we thought it wasn't as great as what people were saying. Mm. And that was worthy of us getting pelters back from people, including the fucking owners at the time, (laughs) because we simply wouldn't say it was perfect. Now, what I always disliked about it, and this is where you get into the kind of ultras, and there's a couple of people in the comments have made stu- made kind of comments towards this on here. The issue with the kind of progress stuff is it always had a very culty look about it. 
Mm. It was very, very kind of culty. Mm. I didn't find like there was a there was an element of that fan base. We think back to that fans group, and honestly, a god. It was like for me, it was what Call of Duty Online is. You know, it was just like a fucking child's chorus of dickheads just mm. in your ears on a relentless loop, mm. um, and. It was it was all the things that kind of progress created within people. So there's some comments I'm going to read out here from the on here. Ian Halton said it's loyalty to a brand rather than a genre. The idea that people made progress an extension of their personality and still unable to move on. It's these kind of things that stop the kind of critical faculties, and they're the things that as hardcore wrestling fans we kind of need to do because there is no watchman. Mm. There isn't a regulatory body looking over this. So it, whether we like it or not, it becomes like kind of completely fan-led mm. as to monitoring what goes on within wrestling. It kind of comes down to us. And you've got a group of people who are willing to just switch off at a heartbeat, mm. like any kind of critical faculty, at the places where the parties happened. Mm. Because the thing about Rev Pro is, that's probably part of the reason why they booked York Hall, is it's such a kind of... Um, consumer unfriendly place that you wouldn't really ever want to stay and get pissed there that you were forced to kind of leave afterwards and go somewhere else yeah. um, whereas Progress and Fight Club Pros and ICW was all about an after party it was all yeah. about like go, go near the bingo and all of this kind of stuff like that and it was all part of the family and yeah like I kind of you know made sort of various remarks as to what kind of family it is but it had a kind of much more culty vibe to it. And it's that, that, that kind of that loyalty to the brand and the brand deserves to survive rather than what does actually that brand stand for and mean in 2021 in a kind of post speaking out world. And, and it's, it's, it's so interesting that because like, if you, you know, if you take those people and you look back and you think, okay, that progress that you fell in love with, you know, at the time mm-hmm. that people did fall in love with and people were, you know, like you say, it was cult-like. We fell in love with it. Absolutely, you know, you know, I, you know, I absolutely did. You know, said previously, but you know, that company that, however many years ago, was was legitimately, legitimately three mates um, who were, you know, building this thing up from scratch, putting their own cash in, kind of thing, working hard, creating this brand, putting this, building this thing that 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 was good. Um, that doesn't exist anymore. That company literally does not exist anymore. And mm. yes, they'll still say we're independent pro wrestling. And yes, it's still a hundred percent owned by John Briley, by WWE employee John Briley. Yeah. Um, you know, so NXT again, you, you take John Briley exactly. You know, you take you take that um, that air of independence. But this is like, you know, with that WWE relationship and things like that. Unironically, this is like. This is Brewdog when it started brewing <laughs> beer for Tesco. This is Beaver Town when Heineken came in and bought a big stake in Beaver Town and, and things like that. It is not the same little independent entity that's been built up and that's you, you, you know grown and that, that you loved and supported. It's a totally different beast now. It's a totally mm. different entity. And okay, it still exists and it's still got a progress label on it, but it's it's not what people thought it was and then they sh- oh, sorry it's not what people you know had in their minds of it being x number of years ago it's entirely different and then pe- so people can't hold it to the same standards or at the same level or you know that have that same mindset about it that they did when the, you know at chapter 10 or chapter 20 or whatever kind of thing because yeah. it's just like 
a totally different company with a with a new label on it altogether. It is. It is. Um, that's the thing. Like I, maybe I'm guilty of it, like not being able to let go of that previous progress. Like I, a lot of the reason for like if I sound like like I get angry about it or I get passionate about it, it's because I, I do genuinely think the previous regime was was never held accountable for for the sins of the past mm. like that that just hasn't happened with progress mm. like it's like owners have, have swanned off into the sun or have fell upwards into cushy jobs with wwe and have stayed silent since june um the, like you said jp there's no there's been no independent proper independent inquiry therefore that whether it's some kind of justice that i'm after it's probably never coming so what have you got left? And it's like, well, okay. So yeah, let's let's look look at it on face value. It is, you know, yes, John Brawley is still involved. Let's say this is like a a new entity. Let's say this is a, a separate thing to the, the previous version version of Progress. Okay, fine. But again, you still need like at the end of the day, these are wrestling promoters and the wrestlers that you're getting really excited about getting this work again, the t-shirt salesman at the end of the day. Or, you know, you've got to hold these people to account and keep them close. Like, the, mm. at the end, like, I saw a lot of comments from, like, wrestlers, you know, in the in the day after, you know, this whole kickoff on Twitter on Saturday. And it's like, oh, this negativity from, from fans, you know, this is something positive Get for the wrestlers. Blast. I know, I know, I know. But like this negativity from the fans, well, why can't we, why can't we all be positive? Why? The reason we can't is because, you know, some of those very same wrestlers, Look, it's human nature. I will never hold it against anyone, and I never thought it was. You know, I've always, I, I've hopefully, I've been consistent with this across the board. People believe their friends. That is, that's just wrestling. That's just people. That's just mm. life. So you, they're not going to be wrestlers and people embedded in this business are not going to be neutral observers of this type of stuff, and they need to be held account by someone and i'm not saying there has to be us dickheads with podcasts who have to do it or whether there has to be you know twitter users who have to do it it's something we all have to keep on top of as, as far as being fans as far as being you know like you kicked off there jp about the way negative negativity it's not to look at things with a critical eye isn't negativity and if we have learned anything from speaking out like we need to have a critical eye and i'm sorry if a promotion announces they're coming back and they put this shiny new you know, safeguarding policy on it and they claim it's something new and it's separate. Okay, great. Mm. But also, there are alarm bells there, you know, there, there are, you know, again, the continued WWE relationship. Who are they going to use going forward? You can't, you just can't yeah. trust these people. Like, I, I hope people have learned that lesson since last year. But honestly, I'm not, after this weekend, I'm not actually 100% sure about that. Yeah, I, I'm worried about it. I mean, I, I, it's, I mentioned at the start of the show, I was watching a lot of the impeachment trial. There was a lot of attitudes of, well, we just need to move on and not look back, mm. which is historically the worst thing that kind of people ever do because it allows the same events to be repeated again. That's why you punish people. That's why you make them accountable. This idea of negativity and that stuff, I think that kind of slightly old like you used to hear a lot of this stuff from sort of british wrestlers around 2018 19 mm. get fucked i'll repeat it again get absolutely fucked mm. there is no moral fucking authority that i would say that wrestlers in particular have to tell to fans mm. about what they should and shouldn't expect mm. so again just repeating for those in the back of the room who don't get it get fucked mm. like i'm not interested who your fucking mate is um, not fucking employed 
buy buy them. Like you have to earn my fucking trust back. Why? Because a lot of you fucking failed and you failed on quite a monumental scale. And if you weren't and and I'm this goes kind of across the board. Like I remember us sort of apologizing for the fact that we built up a lot of these people. They were people who were around them who said nothing. Loads and loads of people who said nothing at all and knew about things and turned a blind eye to it. And that is exactly the reason why I have a complete lack of trust. It's why I get angry. And it's why I get angry when I see people kind of deciding, well, we are going to trust this, still trust this one person. I was thinking about what Will Cooling was saying on BWE, where he mentioned about how there's still the last show, they were still using lots of NXT UK talent. Mm -hmm. That has never been clarified. And a natural progression series feel doesn't suddenly make you go, well, look, all fine, sorted out the roster. Mm -hmm. no. Like, because all you are at that point is, and this way I go back to the impeachment trial and the kind of, it's not going to be a nice thing to say, this kind of Trumpy fan supporter idea of you just deny reality and you deny the facts that kind of stare you in the face. And there's any objective questioning of what the scenario is. It's just like, in the back of your mind, you just get the impression of, I really enjoy, I used to really enjoy going there and I'd like to go there again. It's like, yeah, it's a shit time mentally and we'd all love to, go and do stuff at the minute. I'd love to have a fucking app. You're like, there's loads of things I'd love to. I'd love to meet up with you guys and get absolutely fucking smashed. And whether that's watching TNT or Future Shock or anything like that, be a, like a great laugh. Mm. But that doesn't mean we lose the cricket, critical faculties inside us because we want to do that. Um, you know, I, Will's brought it up in the chair as well. Paul Robinson, the Proteus type. Like you know, there was an questions alle- like you know, alligator. De- Devlin and Scott there are fucking loads of questions. Mm. Yeah. And it's and it's like this idea, like so, like I agree, like it almost feels like just take this as the wrestlers who are there who weren't involved. The fact they're getting booked, I am happy for them. Great. Well, am I happy for them? They're people getting work. I don't have any issue with it. Again, it's that kind of level of trust, though. That's the thing that's really there with me, and that's why I'm kind of like like fucked off, Brit Rest. Mm. That's why I'm looking to watch a load of Australian wrestling over the next week <laughs> because, like, and. And I think the same, I worry that the same sort of reaction will happen when OTT opens its doors. Mm. Like that's going to be a kind of another interesting kind of test case to see what happens Mm. and what format for it. But at the minute I'm being watchful. Will we watch and review them? Yes, because we do wrestling podcasts. We will do happy in the noise. I don't subscribe to WWE network, Mm. but at, at the same time, like this is, you can hold these kind of slightly, you know, you can still be wary of this and not approve of this and have these kind of critical faculties. But the idea of, I used to enjoy going there and I want to do it again is not a good enough reason. And again, sorry to come back to the point is so much of the oversight falls down on fans. Mm. They're the ones who are doing the oversight for all of this Mm. because there isn't a regulatory body. And partly because the places that we could have got proper regulation we weren't allowed to have the fucking conversation mm. and partly the, we couldn't have the conversation because a lot of people were very fucking immature about it mm. and only certain people are allowed to speak and it kind of disappeared from the discourse. And that's why I fear that this, this all happens again. Definitely. Definitely. And I mean, and the other points, I mean, like say, as, as you know, Carla said in the chat about, you know, 
you know, he's happy to see the, the the guys getting booked, but you know, let's you know, his hope is that they're not going to get used when the, you know, it's not they're just getting used for you know a, a placeholder until mm. the old guys come back. We are all wary of that, but I mean, that's that's another point, you know, separate for this conversation. I mean, does that lineup fill you with? With with extreme excitement, um, Gareth, I'll pick on you. Is the you know you 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 flew you flew that progress flag longer than ever, than than we did. Although you know we were all flying out at one point, myself included. People don't believe me, but I will always say like year on year, pretty much across the board, I always thought progress did better shows than Rev Pro. There you go, I've said it out in public. Can't accuse me as being a uh, an Andy Q sympathizer now. Um, but you know, we were all there at one point. Like you, you mentioned it before, is this the re- is this pro- is this even progress? Because that's kind of my point as well. I almost wish they just you know if, they, if there has to be a wrestling company based out of Camden, does it have to be progress? For me, it's it's so damaged goods and there's so many bad things happen that I wouldn't do that. But if you're gonna do it, like. What is this even anyway? You know, Roy Johnson playing Jim Smallman. Um, you know, Joe Nelson for some reason insisting on being kid like us too, like the kid like kid like us one was fucking anybody. Like I don't, I don't. I'll say you know the lineup for this National Progression series. It's got a couple of names in there. I like Luke Jacobs, Ethan Allen. I think it's a maybe a better lineup than you know the current Southside tournament that Rev Pro are doing. If we do insist on making this progress versus Rev Pro, but I don't know, this lineup doesn't really uh, excite me. Whites versus Blair. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe you're really into it. To kid like us versus Chuck Mambo Gareth, uh, maybe that that does fill you uh, with excitement. But exactly, <laughs> are you the guy? Yeah, that one. Not so much. Um, but no, I mean, I mean, like I said, there when I first saw this, for me, it was like my first reaction was seeing the faces of some of my Northwest favorites on there, you know, guys that you've seen at Future Shock and TNT and mm. Schadenfreude for, and et cetera, you know, like a lot of these, a lot of these events and seeing them get that platform and thinking, okay, yeah, well, there's a couple of these guys here that you see has been the next, you know, I don't know, the next wave, you know, certainly not, but certainly not ready to be, you know, leading a, leading a whole British wrestling industry, you know, great for them to get this opportunity. You know, you know, even like Warren Banks and things seen in the past, great. You know, is looks, you know, looks really good. Pleased for them, pleased for them to be able to work and things like that. But I don't know. In some ways, it feels kind of almost a bit tight that like they've been. Um, I don't know. They've been thrown into, into yeah, the shit. Yeah, the deep end. These the they've got to carry really that when, progress flag it, and all the weight and history it, that comes with it. There's all the negative stuff too, mm-hmm. but there's all that brand equity, which is the reason progress is coming back. Let's all be honest. And you know, are we comparing this with the fucking? You know, people don't like hearing his name, but the Osprey years. The I hate to hear his name. The Jimmy Havoc years. All these problematic people. Yes, but you know, the 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 alleged glory days of progress compared to this, like. Christ, yeah, you can't tell me Brit Res isn't dead. Uh, but like the thing is, is like I know, like I know if this whatever if this tournament throws up Ethan Allen against Luke Jacobs, we've seen that much. We know they're going to knock it out of the park. We know we know they're going to have a belter of a match, and it's going to be great stuff. And there's you know there's there's that has to be the final, surely, doesn't it? You know, you you look at that and you think. Like yeah, that's that that that's that's out you know like that'll be an outstanding match, but you know possibly in isolation you know it's uh, you know it's not something to to build the whole the whole thing around. But I mean, for me, it just it it just all boils down to that feeling of kind of like trust at the end of the day, and I suppose mm-hmm. it is that accountability that you you come back with there, and there's there's like words on a bit of paper and like big deal words on a bit of paper, like how many. 
<laughs> yeah, go through history how many people have come back holding pieces of paper with words uh, words written on them and um, <laughs> maybe, maybe don't uh, maybe not quite uh, what they uh, thought they were and and, and things like that but um, it's it's all just going to be the, you know like I say nothing's going to be perfect nothing's going to be perfect from day one things have to start at some point is this the right time to start probably not if, is it illegal that they are no, if they're following the protocol and things, and so you talk. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, but at the end of the day, they're it, it's it's work, it's business. These people want to earn money, and in the same way that RevPro needed to earn money, and you know, you, you the platform for these guys to earn money. You think, oh, like, fair enough, okay, it's it, it, it's okay on it's okay on that that standpoint. You know, it's 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 very sort of like chicken and egg because you can't until you start, you can't prove that you're doing the best actions to rectify what's gone on in the past and build something better for the future. And if you just, so if you don't start, then everything's just lip service anyway, because it's all just words on paper and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And then there's nothing to hold anybody accountable to really. So there's that part of me that's like, well, they've kind of, they've got to start. And then for me, where I talk about, I'll be prepared to support the, organizations where i feel like the people at the top running them genuinely are trying to change for the best and again this is my personal view many might disagree with me i genuinely believe that um andy q john briley i think they you know i kind of trust in their desire to improve things and rectify certain situations and obviously you'll lean on different allegiances there with with um with with, with briley and the, the wwe stuff and you can that can you know you can follow plenty of different trails down down that one but you know i i feel like that is where you then hold them accountable and if it's okay they do put steps in place in year one year two that means that you know i've said this before and here if wrestling and british wrestling in 2023 is a significantly safer place it's a significantly better managed place it's a you know than it was in 2018 then that is an improvement and again it's not perfection but it's improvement and it's it's showing that people have learned through what happened last year and um, and then if then three years after that it's an improvement on the previous three years been great and it sort of shows that we're 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 making that progress for want of a better word that you you know you're getting away from where things were in 2018 and you're moving to having a more safer sustainable industry that people can justifiably want to support and have faith in and you know have trust in again and things but again that doesn't happen at a click of the fingers that doesn't happen at a policy at a website that mm. happens with people putting the miles in and showing that that, that they deserve to be um getting your you know getting the pounds out of your pocket to go and pay to see them or to be getting your trust to watch them on vod or you know that they are going to be you know doing the right thing and proof of the pudding is going to be in the eating yeah if i could just add um it, it just feels like that as long as we're able to to kind of keep completely on top of this mm. and not turn a blind eye to it because that was like that was my immediate reaction when I saw the reactions to this is there was a lot of kind of completely blind eyes and more if anything coming from the wrestlers than fans mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of this change is absolutely integral and needs to happen mm-hmm. yeah totally 
depth. And you know, I don't, I don't want to report on it because I don't know if it's true myself. There's people in our chat saying there are people who are named and speaking out to agents at the tapings. Those types of questions are why we're asking. That's why we're asking questions. I want to know who is, you know, agenting backstage, who is still involved, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a reason. But do you know what? And that's doing this to be better. N- and in times gone past, the idea would have been, no, we're absolutely not doing that. How the fuck are you? Dare, you know, get out of your mum's basement podcast. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Now it's like, no, fucko, be transparent. Mm. Like, and that's where we're kind of at with it. And it's mm. the idea of, I was going to say, it's ask questions of the promoters. Mm. Make, like, make them talk and go on the record about things. And if they're not willing to do that, be wary. Because that was the thing about like, as there was lots not to necessarily, you know, there was stuff that Andy Quilden said that, that I didn't agree with in, in the podcast that he did with Will. However, there was a degree of transparency there. There's a degree of asking the thinking of it. And that's, you know, comes back to the original point of the silence mm. and the silence feeling like it's completely complicit mm. as well. Um, like, it really was uh, and that's the and and that's my biggest problem with it as well yeah like like we said uh, we probably draw a line under it i think the the biggest thing we're, we're kind of trying to say is you know let's let's just hold all the promotions to, to the same level of account you know the things that we didn't let slip with red pro let's not let slip with progress and and vice versa um i think that's probably probably the the world we want to live in but yeah Shows will be on the networks next Saturday, lads. So yeah, I guess we'll uh, we'll see how uh, NXT UK's B show turns out. Anywho, sorry, couldn't help that. Well, if Gun Dog <laughs> is on fire again, then it won't be being watched live by me. <laughs> Arise, yeah, yeah. Sir Gun Dog, captain <laughs> of my fantasy team. Oh, very true. Um, so yeah, um, like I say, that's something we'll 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 keep an eye on going forward. Um, yeah. There's no easy way to, to make this transition, but also on WWE Network this week. Fuck. Um, you know, <laughs> there was a takeover last night. So it's like, should we go to, should we move to AEW first? I don't know if it's like, <laughs> is that a good segue? Nah, you've done it now. <laughs> you've, you've gone there. Uh, speaking of shows that are, uh, have got problematic people involved, um, that should also be held to account and i would like to see more journalists hold the company to account for some of the people who are still on the books of this company there was a takeover this weekend mm. as well lads um any strong thoughts on it i stayed up and watched it and you know uh, there, were, there were things that i liked and things that i didn't like uh, I, i'm not right i've seen people raving about it um on the internet today uh there's a lot of uh, a lot of talk about it being you know as if this was in front of a crowd, it would be it would be as good as every takeover in the past. Um, I don't no. know if that's true. <laughs> also, it wasn't. No. Also, it was in that horrible, horrible um, Capital Wrestling Center. Also, it was, um, you know, uh, in front of golf claps and weird robots and the front row uh, smacking their their hands on glass to uh, to give you the feel of a of a of a live show. There's definitely definitely times where i watch this i watch this show and i kind of drift off a little bit i'm like i'm playing on my phone or something and i'm thinking about something else um and then like i hear like the loud reaction and i think oh something good must have happened oh this match must be getting good and then i realize no just somebody's got their their, their finger on the the vacuum noise button it's uh <laughs> it's not real i don't know what it is compared to like other empty arena stuff there's something about like the nxt one where it's just it it's a complete completely takes over the broadcast the noise like it's so mm. loud it's so overbearing um 
that is the that is the negative of it. But I did think there were there were some decent matches uh, in between um, some of that shite. And all in all, I did enjoy it, even if I wouldn't share the uh, the crazy uh, praise I've uh, I've seen on the internet this week, Gareth. I mean, I'm surprised to hear that, that there's like crazy, like I've literally just avoided Twitter all day pretty much just because, oh. just to avoid just to avoid spoilers and things like that. So I had no idea apart from looking at the app, you know, what people were giving it and, you know, what I saw on the app and what I saw myself was a generally good show with matches in that three to four star bracket kind of thing, which is good and fine it's certainly not something that i'm going to be like fucking running about the house and you know running out the house and been like yeah this you know this is amazing like this is up there with the the great takeovers of the past but as a show i mean i enjoyed it i fucking enjoyed it a damn sight more than i enjoyed new japan you know for example which is uh which uh, um be saying about that saying that about nxt and you know 2021 kind of thing it's a it's 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 pretty wild to be you know pretty wild to be saying that but you know i think as a as a as a whole as a as a show just for having five matches of a relatively decent standard it was it was easily comfortably better than any wwe um yeah. stuff that i've seen relatively recently be it you know be it main roster be it nxt obviously be it nxt uk or, or anything like that but yeah i can't say i didn't enjoy it because yeah, yeah i did yeah, that's it. Like I, I feel like, you know, I'm the furthest thing. You know, for all the reasons we said about progress, like I, I find it hard to, you know, be a cheerleader for a WWE product in in any form at this point. You know, you know people who listen to BWE hear me through gritted treats try and review NXT UK shows and give it <laughs> any kind of serious analysis because I just want to get wound up about its, its existence in the first place. Um, I don't feel <laughs> as strong about NXT proper as I do NXT UK, but there are a lot of those same issues. So I am not an NXT guy by by any means. Like uh, maybe I was a few years ago when it was the the hip cool thing um believe it or not it, it actually was once um but you know i still had a good time watching it like i say i'm not gonna be one of them people like johnny gargano could go out there and wrestle a 20 star match uh, and that'll be on the dave Meltzer scale uh, at some point going forward um but like, he could go out there and do literally anything he could go out there and like just have a, have a match with Kenta Kabashi and I would not give a fuck. Like, I can't just... There's something about mm. Johnny Gargano who's been... Like, he sums up this product for me because I'm going to say some nice things in a minute, I promise. But he sums up what NXT is. Like, the, the stagnant feel of this show now. You know, how long's he been, like, North American champion? I feel like it's been 20 years. It probably hasn't. It's probably been about a month. That's how closely I follow this product. But it feels like if he's not been a North American champion for that long, he's been in NXT that long. And like, yeah, I made the joke about it on Twitter. It's going to be twenty forty five, and he's still going to be there. He's still going to be North American champion. He's still going to be coming out in fucking some kind of Marvel superhero, Marvel Phase twenty fucking rip off gimmick. And he's still going to be out. He's going to be out there, probably wrestling like you know Brody Lee Junior or someone who's who's made the defection to NXT by that point, or like some other young wrestler. And he'll still be in fucking NXT because. You know, he's been in the he's been in NXT three years past the sell by date. Um the hardcore NXT fans still love this stuff. I saw this is what I mean, Gareth, when I say about like the, the big feedback this this stuff has gotten, and you can correct me if I'm wrong as far as app ratings go, but you know, the people who love this stuff still love matches like that, still can get invested in the Gargano Kushida. I struggle. Like it, it I just can't. The the went twenty five minutes, like I said on the daily update, it felt like it was, you know, eighty five to me. Um yeah. So I don't I don't get into that stuff, but I was pleasantly surprised by some of the other stuff on this card. Like I, I feel like 
you know, we'll get into the main event angle, um, which I thought felt was a, it felt like an important angle. It felt like, you know, something like consequences, which I haven't felt that way for NXT in a while. So I enjoyed that match. But the match I want to pick on is, is one that I really enjoyed. MSK and Grizzle Young Veterans. Um, <laughs> Gibson and Drake. And, you know, Drake's gotten plenty of pelters from us. Um, although in hindsight, there are other British wrestlers who probably deserved it much more. Um, but them two, my God, like, Seeing them in there with an MSK, it's the rascals for anyone who doesn't pay attention to to NXT like I do. Working that match, it was like, that was almost a perfect tag team match for me. Like, it, as far as the way it was worked, I'm not saying it was five stars by any means. I think I gave it four or four, I gave it 4.25 on Grapple in the end. But as far as a perfectly worked match where, okay, yeah, MSK are in there to run their spots and get their big moves in. But as far as a team to ground them and to shape the body of the mm. match and to you know to to, to 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 kind of admiral the match, which is kind of what Gibson does in these matches, like it was just a match made in heaven. It was just absolutely perfect tag team wrestling. It didn't get too spotty, although you know Gibson and Drake have got their weird um, doomsday device suicide dive thing they do um, that they definitely nicked mm. off WWF, WWF No Mercy in the N64 by the way, and they threw a few big spots in themselves, and MSK got a bit silly at points, but it was always grounded in that just hard-nosed this is a tag match you know, I don't like being a, a tag match rules fetishist um, like, so, like you know, the people who pretend that the revival are still good, but you know, dragging a, a spotty team like MSK into that formula and just you know just doing the basics well is what grizzled young veterans do well. And it's not just Gibson; it is Drake as well, but it's mainly Gibson. And I absolutely love this match. Like this was one of my favorite matches. I've or one of the matches I've enjoyed the most uh, in MT Arena era wrestling. And I wasn't expecting that out of watching a takeover. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. Yeah, I was exactly the same as you. I, I gave this four point two five. It was my highest rated match on the on, on the, the night, and yeah, this this absolutely just stood head and shoulders for me. And for for reasons that we might go into if we talk about some of the matches that went before it, was just the 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 whole logic to it. You know, the the whole yeah. heels and faces, the way the match was worked, cutting things. You know, cutting the ring off. You know been very clear and obvious apart from the piped in boos and yays knowing who the heels were and who the baby faces were and mm -hmm. you know gibson just been like fucking horrible when he's getting like his submission on and then it's like there's a rope break and gibson's like grinding his hand in, into you know his carter's face as he's getting up or you know just the whole carter going for the tag and gibson legging it round and pulling him off the apron and then him and drake are doing stuff behind the referee's back and so it's just classic simple old heel face stuff that you just don't see so often these days and stuff that just gets lost um in favor of spot 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 100 mile an hour you know and again, again it sound like a right fucking old bastard saying that but it's amazing how simplicity can make a match so much better just by having a very clearly dis defined you know structure to it in, in in the way that it works and then when you then do get the big baby face come back and you've got someone like gibson who is a fucking absolute master when it comes to selling these like facials you know where is you know you know is whether it's like fear or whether it's like despair or whether it's you know backing off like a chicken or whatever it's is he just plays it absolutely absolutely perfect and he just in even though i'm naturally predisposed to be behind them too it makes you want the baby faces to get you know 
come back and get them and um you know get the you know get the get the win and like same as you like i just thought gibson and drake were both fantastic i mean definitely gibson you know standing out out of the the pair there but i just thought the chemistry between these two teams having that sort of clash of styles with the you know the the old school grounded in the main approach of like Gibson and Drake versus sort of the the faster, high tempo, high flying um, MSK. I was just thinking, just have these two feud for the rest of the year. Just, you know, these are someone who you can just see putting matches against each other, you know, two or three more times in the year, other big events. And the more they work with each other, the, the better they're going to get as well. And they, they were just like an, an ideal pairing for me. And yeah, fucking, fucking really enjoyed this match. Yeah, I went four on it. And and in fact, there's a lot of the stuff that you guys have mentioned. I mean, I wrote that bizarrely, even with the spots, it felt like an updated version of like a WCW US tag match where it was just very clearly defined who was in what role. And one of the teams is trying to stop the spotty team from doing the big spots. And that's where you get your heat from. It's very, very simple. And, and, And that in and of itself kind of, and like you said, don't get me wrong, they they do the kind of big spots themselves and and it and it is that simplicity compared to the kind of operatic overblown nature of Gagano versus Kushida, which just completely loses me because of the the kind of dur- duration. Whereas this is like a kind of meant to be the final of a tag match, mm. a final of a tag tournament. So you're kind of thinking, well, surely that's where you're going to get your kind of big, overblown, operatic tag match. But they they got it right. It moved with such pace and momentum that you were never, ever bored throughout. I mean, I went four stars on it because I, I don't know, and I think you've mentioned it before, and you mentioned loud and overbearing, and hopefully I'm sat back a little bit away from the mics. I'm not coming through as loudly as I was before. But um, <laughs> I'm multitasking it, when you come Sorry, it's on. difficult. <laughs> well, I've got to keep you fuckers on your toes. So... Uh, um, but like that capital rest, like the presentation of it, the piped in like kind of booze, which I just thought, I thought to myself, I'd sooner hear Shauna doing that. Like I'd sooner see that, that like they just decided to get her to record loads of booing into a mic and then just put that on. And I think there'd be more novelty for me than that. But it, in, instead, like those are the things that take me out of it. And I think that's the overall thing about this card where like we say that it kind of ranges really from, like a lot of it is good to very good, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's that it's that presentation of it, and it's so fake. That's where where I am now. It's just so much bells and whistles. And when you think of what NXT was meant to be, and that that might be pulling in those fifty year olds, you know, those fifty year old men. But ultimately, it looks very passe because it doesn't look that different away from WWE main roster and it doesn't have any of that kind of independent edge. And we're going to talk about blood sport with a completely stripped back aesthetic later on. And that's something that kind of really suits it. Whereas I don't think this, this doesn't suit that kind of brand. Even if you only had 20 people in there in masks, being able to cheer, that'd probably be much more of a natural reaction to things. And I'm probably more likely to, to be emotionally invested overall. And that's, and I think that aesthetic is something that I, massively struggle to get over it's why i won't watch the tv the only way that i'll i'll be watching nxc is really takeover shows Mm. i watch that i dip out because i know they've got a video package of all the other stuff that's upcoming and unless there's something on there that's kind of close to five stars i'm going to be struggling to watch it Mm. yeah 
Yeah, that's it. And that, that, that's kind of my thing. I watched the show without that level of investment. You know, like uh, like a Chris mm. in the chat saying he thought the Gargano match was the, the best Gargano match in at least a year. I heard the people say that, that it wasn't as drawn out in an episode as it was. I'm sorry. It's like he's wrestling. In a, it's like I'm watching a foreign I'm film without subtitles when I watch it. Gargano match mm. like that's what it's like that's what it feels like to me it's like I, I, can't, I don't actually I just can't take in what is happening in front of me so I'm not a reasonable judge but I think also the fact that whole like you say JP the whole NXT aesthetic kind of takes it takes me out of it as well um, I mean I was going to say yeah, I mean what were you guys other highlights from the night as, as far as matches go did, for me it was the tag match but you know I did see a lot of people saying the main event I like the main event I mean, I enjoyed it. I think between that and the Kylo Riley matches, I really enjoyed the angle afterwards. Mm. Like, I think that gave it gave NXT a kind of sense of direction mm. as well. They've kind of sorted out what their top four is. I'm glad that they're going to go with O'Reilly as a singles. I mm. think that seems like a good move, and I think it's one of those things that if you did have a crowd there, there would be more of a reaction to it mm. because there's a kind of authenticity to it, and he and he is more than deserved it. So, I mean, I would, I, I it liked like a big the moment, didn't it? It felt, it felt, it felt it like I said before, it felt like something of consequence. It can't, it even made me go, oh, okay, that's interesting. Adam Cole and, and Kyle O'Reilly going against each other. It also made me think, oh yeah, Adam Cole's contract, there's constantly rumours about that. Is this his last stand, his last programme or something? Um, but yeah, I, I'll be honest, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the match. I didn't, I, you know, I gave the match four stars as well. Um, I thought it was yeah. a decent main event. Didn't go as high as, you know, I've seen some people go on Grapple and and, uh, and quote it as on Twitter. But I, I thought overall that was a good piece of business. I liked it. I went four stars as well. You know, again, it was to 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 me. It was just quite. I don't know. It was quite refreshing as a match. Really, I've you know said in here plenty of times. I'm not the biggest Finn Balor fan in the world. I'm you know you know even going back years and years, he was you know never someone I'd be particularly high on and you know excited to to see. But I thought this match, you know, I thought they worked really well together. I thought I think it was just. Uh, I think it just just came across as been like very realistic and very sort of like legitimate, and you know it was. I think any time for me where you've got a, you know, a world title fight where it genuinely feels like the two guys in there are fighting their hardest to try and win that title, that's always going to be something that's going to you know, you know, be a big tick tick in the box for me for you know when I'm watching this this kind of, kind of match, and you know I think that the the way they were did it as well with like the different body parts and things that they were working there and the way that they um, sold stuff without overselling it and it worked into you know things like spots that you expect them to land not land in and things like that it made the match a bit unpredictable as well in parts which I think can sometimes be a negative that I lay at Pete Dunne's um, door is that I've seen him that many bloody times that every time I watch a Pete Dunne match you know some, you know I feel like it's exactly the same in a lot of instances to a previous match that I've seen or he, he moves in a certain way and I know exactly what's coming next and things like that as well, which, again, that's kind of, you know, by, I suppose you get that with people from from watching watching too much wrestling probably sometimes. But, yeah. you know, over, uh, overall, I thought, I, I thought, yeah, it did. That, that realism came across and, you know, generally... You Was know, that Pete you know, I think Oh, I, I, I didn't recognise him with the yellow paint on. I didn't realise that was him. Oh, no. oh, did, you, did, you, did you not know he'd been sat in a bath of beans for the weekend uh, beforehand for charity? He'd, he'd literally just he was doing, doing something for children in need for the uh, Birmingham Mail or something like that. And he nipped out of his bath of beans and straight to the uh, straight to the CWC. Oh, my God. I was, I was watching with this with, like, I was live streaming this with Steph and she was saying he, she thought he looked better. I think he looks sick. I think he looks like he's lost... 
he's lost weight and he looks like he's in the best shape of his life. But once you add that yellow coat of paint, it doesn't matter how good the work is in the match. And, and the work was good, like you said, Gary. It was realistic. <laughs> it was, you know, the basically the finger work versus the leg work was kind of like the, the match. And there was a lot of stuff that I got lost in in the match. But every time I got lost in the match, I get pulled back. Every time I saw his stringy yellow legs that look like a fucking yellow bean curry or like, you know, something you get in my little chicken, I thought. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, when you put a chicken and you've forgotten about it in the fridge and it's gone yellow and you go, I can't take, I can't take risks with that. <laughs> Even if I can't be asked going out, it seems mean to say, but like Chris said, the chat, he does look joyful. Has he got scurvy? It, then it, Eat some oranges. It's a oh, choice for a look, I tell you. Uh, yeah, it did pull the L's of that match a few times, but uh, yeah, the work was good, and you know. Yeah. But yeah, it's. it's I like a- the Mark Fowler tribute. I don't. Really <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Um, I would say as well, though, to be fair, to echo what you were saying, they got on a serious note. Also, the best I've seen Finn Balor look in a long time. Like, I'm not a Finn mm. Balor guy. Even in Finn Balor's prime, I wasn't a Finn Balor guy. And, you know, I don't know when his prime was. Prince Devitt, maybe, or his original NXT run. Never really liked him. He's on that Seth Rollins level for me as a guy that I'm never going to invest in. You know, parachuting into NXT to an NXT takeover and not really paying a huge amount of attention to the TV leading into it. I was quietly impressed by him. I, I thought he was, he was mm. good in this main event, and I, I am intrigued again in where that story goes with the uh, with the Kyle O'Reilly stuff. I just think he looks he looked more physical. It looked more real. He looked mm. more of an edge to him. He's always looked a bit. He's, he's always looked like one of these. Like to me, he's always looked like a wrestler who's in a dance in a lot of like in, yeah. in a lot of ways. But I felt like this was not not in the slightest. It was it was it was an aggressive. You know, it was it. it it came across like a real fight, a real battle, you know, which, like I say, is half the battle with me. If, 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 I, if, yeah. I, if I can kind of get lost in, in that side of things and it feels like it's a genuine competition, it's, it's, it's a great start. Well, what, what has he dropped since going back to NXT? He doesn't do any of that fucking beast shit. <laughs> or whatever, the demon, I forget. The, the demon. De- beast, demon, fiend, what? Yeah, loads of them. But he doesn't do that shit. He, anymore he, he looks doesn't grizzled on looks... the fucking pre- predator dreadlocks and <laughs> fucking paint his face and you're just thinking shouldn't you really be like off to notting hill or something because like <laughs> <laughs> instead of like going out to have a fight no and now here now we look it, like a black, it's a black leather jacket it's stripped down it looks it oh, works did you not see his backstage look though where he had like one of those like top man tops on with like the weird like badges on the shoulder and stuff look he's a very well-dressed man he's a good-looking lad I was going to say then that he looks a lot more grizzled these days, but, you know, again, he's, st- he's still a lovely-looking lad. I'm not having a go at his look, but he does. He looks more of a man these days, even if the, the top man outfit makes, makes him look more of a boy. He'll be gutted when he finds out that shop closed down um, and it's been swallowed up by Asos. Um, but like, but he do, I, I like this presentation, like you say, JP, the, the, the leather jacket. The, again, I think... He's always he's a man who even when he was thirty five he looked about twenty. Now that he's getting closer to forty, he's starting to look a little bit more his age. But actually, I think it's working mm-hmm. for him. I think it gives him that more grizzled, serious look. Mm-hmm. And he's someone who like I could make the same criticism of Gargano. What's he going to do? Be in NXT forever? But with him, this is definitely better than anything I ever saw him do on the main roster. Yeah, I think they got too lost in the performative aspect. They got too lost in the fucking hand symbol and all of that stuff mm. rather than the kind of presentation of him in the ring. Mm. Um, and, and I'm obviously more up on him. And I did appreciate Wade Barrett going into the England versus Ireland conflict stuff because I was like, yeah, that's 
like in, in some ways I, I enjoy that kind of dynamic what can i say oh you do um <laughs> i've do. seen your tea but, the you know. <laughs> yeah yeah um but there's a but, there, but i mean i thought overall it, it, it's it's interesting because you would imagine well for them wouldn't you want this kind of character up on the main roster in a kind of feud Probably with not. roman reigns for example but the problem is as soon as he goes there they ruin it because they they would change all of that stuff they'd have him coming out fucking crawling on the floor looking like he's dipped his face into a fucking load of pain and put on the dreadlocks and doing that. And he's just like, well, this is silly bullshit because people don't actually act like that in the real world. Whereas here, he comes across as a, as at least some semblance of a human being. The fact he's been injured a couple of times, I think, has really worked with it as well. Um, I think that's the kind of stuff that makes him feel like he's been in wars at these takeover shows. And I think that's... You know, we're going to talk about Go Shiozaki in a bit. That kind of worked for him, didn't it? Um, in terms of like rebuilding his year, and I'm not saying he's going to have that kind of a title run in NXT, but you kind of, if you think to yourself, you're just going to, if these takeovers are just going to be about sort of just delivering very sort of simply good matches, and then having those matches. Um, effectively lead to some interesting angles at the end of this, then that's going to only be better for them. Mm. I'm still not going to be watching their TV. That's it. Because if I wanted to see something desperately, I could just tune into the, um, into go look at their YouTube channel and I'd probably pick it up in three minutes, see whatever the angle is and go, all right. And then just walk away. Oh, true. Um, did either of you guys have any, any particular thoughts on the other matches on the show? Uh, I, you know, I thought the women's tag, uh, Dusty Final, uh, Rodrigo Gonzalez, Dakota Kai, uh, Ember Moon, and Shotty Blackheart was mm. fine as a match. I thought the three way with the Oshirai, Tony Storm, Mercedes Martinez was fine. Like a couple of a three point two five and a three for me on the grapple. I didn't have a lot to say on them myself. Uh, don't know if you guys have got more detailed thoughts on those, or or actually, to be fair, Gargano and Kashida, because I know there's going to be a NXT fans uh, mm. screaming at my inability to, <laughs> to 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 be able to just take in a Johnny Gargano match in 2021. I mean, for for me, for me, like the immediate thing that just stood out on that Gargano Kashida match was like, I just thought the, uh, I just thought the booking was, was 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 terrible the way that it was, the way that it was laid. I mean, the the match itself, like, take a step back from it and then just as a form of something going on as a, as a form of entertainment in front of you, it was fine. It was good. In, like, I think I'd give it three and a half or three point two five on the on, on the app. It was. It was it was reasonably good, but I just thought Kashida just came out of it looking like the biggest bum in the world to me. I just like as I, as I was watching it, I was thinking like Gagano's he's had that arm injury that his um, that they've worked into the match, mm. and like Kashida's attacked it, and he's had him in multiple submissions, and Johnny Gagano's supposed to be like this big heel in the match, and and basically. He comes out of things and he just wins clean in the <laughs> like in the middle of the ring. Yeah. One, two, three. Like he he's he's held in this submission on this arm on multiple occasions. So his arm's supposed to be hanging off and he's selling like crazy. And he valiantly gets to the ropes every single time and he has no help from the outside from any of his three, you know, his his missus and his other two mates that are, you know, a part of his part of his group. There's 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 none of that. He uses he sort of he uses his cunning and strategy mm. and a bit of like heart and guts and determination to pull off a win with his with his injured arm. And I'm like, 
why am I supposed to dislike this man? That's and if she and, and and if she does supposed to be good, how shit is he at like jujitsu or how shit is his arm bar or his cross face and things that he's putting on that this guy's arm is absolutely in ruins and he can't even finish him off when he's got him slap bang in the middle of the ring for one minute, two minutes, like in this in in this hold. Why should you ever believe in Kashida that he could do anything ever again? Like for mm-hmm. me, just like absolutely killed Kashida off. And just like I say, just made him look like the biggest fucking bum out there and made Johnny Gagano look like yeah, what a valiant, you know, what a what a <laughs> sort of like valiant fighting spirit, full of heart wrestler. This guy is like, yeah, I want to get behind him in the uh, in the jaws of defeat, like hanging, you know, with his shoulder held a bit by sellotape. He, he pulled it off. He got the big win and kept all of his title. Like, good lad. Mm. Like, like, why, I, why wouldn't you think that? Well, I, I thought as soon as Austin Theory didn't come out and they did that thing with him being sent to the back, I thought, all oh, right, either he'll. He's getting involved, or if Gagano loses the title, he'd be angry with him because he didn't turn up. Mm. Not go the not go the one route where he could go down where it's like, well, it becomes a complete non-event and doesn't mean anything within the scheme of things. The end. Um, and, 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 although weirdly, I probably like this presentation of Kushida more than what I ever did in New Japan, but that's more of a result of I really didn't care about him in New Japan. Only that kind of what two minute lot. Mo- it's 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 one of these things of yes, I know he can wrestle and he's very kind of good at it. I just don't care. I've just sort of never been engaged other than this bloke really likes Back to the Future. That's that's like kind of that that's what you take away from it, really. Like that's still sort of like the central part of the gimmick. They're just giving him jeans this time and those those like kind oh, of shoes that he wears from Back to the Future Two. Is it? Like, yeah, the jeans, yeah, they are. It's it, how it just sort of says what I think to him. And they were like, Is this a dream match? And they were like, Yeah. And it was like, Well, if I've been watching it live, then it would have literally sent me to dream. Yes. Because <laughs> I, I, I would have been asleep. And I nearly slept while walking while watching bits of this because of how how long it was. It was, it was a kind of, and I think I still went like kind of three and a half which just checking on the app from that, which I think I'm going to have to downgrade that. That seems like I've had a bit of a brain fart on that. I went three and it was the definition of the gentleman's three. (laughs) It was, Mm. yeah. Um, Mm. I mean, what did you guys give the women's matches? I mean, to be fair, the women's division is often the highlight of NXT in general. But I felt like this takeover, it was kind of like, uh, I don't know. I felt felt like they were the the weaker points of, uh, of the card. Up three and a half, three and a half. Yeah. Um, for not both. Not even weak, really. Um, just not that interesting, I suppose, is what I'm. Not what really. I'm, what I'm I saying. think the things I take away from it is I don't think Shotzi Blackheart is good at all. Whereas I think Ember Moon actually is. I think there's something there, and I think her stuff kind of looked so much more crisper, and it just felt like a kind of a, a waste, like really of her. Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai as an act really should be. Like in in many ways, she should Dakota Kai should be the champion of NXT, and you've got Raquel Gonzalez there in the the kind of big heavy role, and it ultimately leads to those two. Like that's really the kind of direction it should be. It's it's just that like I, I, I it felt like a kind of a let's say a match for matches sake. Really, I know it's the final of a of a tournament, but it, it didn't. It, there's not NXT women's tag champions, are there? That says how little I no, know about isn't. the fucking company. He was asked about it on there the call and he said maybe. Well, in some ways, this should have been for that because that would have been kind of perfect then, wouldn't it? Mm. 
and you'd have this whole kind of series of matches because they've got depth. It's the one thing in terms of all their big investment in recruitment they have done is like kind of develop a quite large women's roster that used correctly would be a fantastic women's promotion in its own right. And I often wonder whether or not they should actually try and do something like that. Um, because I think if it was like kind of separately book, booked and kept away, it'd be a whole lot more interesting. But yeah, it, it was it was what you expect from a takeover tag match where they're doing lots of stuff and it's very busy in the ring and there's the kind of, you know, various kind of double teams and the rest. And it was it, And it was fine and it was good and I was enjoying it. But ultimately it fell, feels kind of like meaningless. And the, and I was going to say for the for the for the women's match, I thought they did a good job of sort of hiding the worst aspects of Tony Storm away, which I think was the benefit of having Mercedes Martinez in the match. This character is the best presentation in WWE so far. Like I'm it not is. saying it's set in the world. Like like I said, I still gave it like three stars, but like, you know, the, I, I think having her as like this heel and like you say, protector <clears> and like in these matches is probably the best she's looked to. Sorry, Gareth. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, I mean, I gave both of these 3.25 and mm. I had issues with this first match again, just from a match structure point as well. There was, I think it must have been agented by the same person as that fucking Johnny Gagano Kashida match because, again, there was just like... Sure. <laughs> There's just times here when, like, Dakota Kai was just in the middle of the ring in a submission and she's, like again, valiantly fighting to make the tag. And there's no cheating. There's no nothing behind it. And, mm. like, when she does, it's through her own skill and prowess that she, like, rolls through and, like, manages to make the tag. And literally, I was I was sat there comfy. I was like, are these are these the faces? So I, 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 was th- I, I was, wasn't was 100% sure. And then I got, like, a barrage of booze piped through when she finally, like, made the tag to Raquel Gonzalez or, or yeah, whatever she's called. But then... Mm. Um, it was, I don't know. It just, it, it just felt a bit odd to me, and I've definitely came away from it with the same feeling as you there, JP. I was like, Ember Moon. I was like, what a missed opportunity. If you think of it, like NXT first time around, she was really good. Then she like she she had a bit of star quality about her. She was putting on good matches, and obviously then she disappears up to the the main roster and just like I think she got injured, but like matter of time she just vanished into fucking purgatory up there didn't she before she's now sort of re-emerging here in a tag division but she was like as at one point she was up there with as as good as it got and you know i think she showed it like with 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 you know loads in this in this match and the shotty black hat like what are your opinions on that fucking tank that she comes out with on the start because like do people like that do people do people think this tank is good because when she comes out you know, at the start i'm just like I mean, fucking Toys R Us or something like that. I feel like I'm back with my kids when they're like five year old and begging you to get some fucking motorized BMW for Christmas or something like that. It's like it just looks ridiculous for me. I just can't. I, like, yeah. I, I cannot take it seriously in the slightest. If people think that is good, then I'm, mm. I'm a it's not Rusev at Mania, is it? <laughs> it's, it's not even. It the kind of looks. Well, it looks like the Spinal Tap version of Stonehenge, doesn't it? Like, that's, that's exactly what it is. Like, where they just end up getting a dwarf dancing around a six-inch six tall version of fucking Stonehenge. That's what they've got here. And it and it's just kind of, it's a look. Like, I mean, I think that's what they like with Shotzi Blackheart, is the look mm. and how distinctive it is. And there's clearly a literal 
you know, kind of tank girl steampunk thing going on there. And obviously it's 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 not it it's lost on me. Mm. But it's when I watch her wrestle, she looks quite clunky and coordinated and I take it she's improved because I remember seeing a couple of times on the indies and going, Oh God, she's terrible. Um and she clearly is working hard and trying to improve, but it's it still comes across like that. Mm. And the tank stuff in that arena gives it so much more of that still that TV set vibe. Mm. And it just looks so silly. And then you've got, unfortunately, Ember Moon like looking like she's run away from the fucking set of um, Mad Max Fury Road, you know, which they should have come out in some sort of Mad Max Fury Road card, maybe one of those tall things that the lads are swinging between the cars in. Um, yeah. I was giving her an extra half star at that point. <laughs> but yeah, I was going to say actually. Oh. I mean, before we move on heavily from uh, from NXT, because we have got a, a lot to get in. Get in. Mm. You know, it was mentioned in the chat earlier. We've got to mention it, JP. Uh, I thought that this would be the big headline coming out of Takeover. <laughs> uh, Eli Drake turned up, uh, and not only him, uh-uh. not only him. Uh, Blake Christian's coming in. Ty Valkyrie's signed. Harlem Bravado signed. Do be on a on a hiring spree again? Uh, what's Eli Drake's name now? It's like it's some kind of initials in it. It's like. DC Dell LA Knight. Oh, LA Knight. That sounds like a pair of trainers I had when I was eight. Fucking Christ. Well, I wondered if it was that American football team that Billy Blanks plays for and shoots himself at the start of the last Boy Scout. Was that the LA Knights? He goes, ain't life a bitch, and then shoots his head. I'll take some Percocet in the room. LA Knights for those trainers that lit up, you know, when you press the button on the side and you got little little lighty things on. Oh, yeah. I think they were LA Gear, weren't they, maybe? Can't remember. I think they were LA Gear. Fucking hell. Yeah, yeah. they were. They were dark times. (laughs) I mean, like, he was there for years. He left. I mean, to be honest, like, it's, it's coming back to NXT. Yeah, it was, was LA Knight, uh, LA Knight, an XFL franchise. Yeah, that sounds about right, and it sounds like that would be the reason behind them giving the name. <laughs> it's like, like, but, but yeah, uh, he doesn't add any worth. Mm. It probably is like he can cut a promo, mm. but where does he fit in? Like, the thing is, NXT doesn't fit in with that. It would fit in with weirdly the main roster type of stuff, mm. but it's. As with all of these signings, it just feels like they're doing it signing for signing's sake, Mm. isn't it? This is locking up people because they've got the money to lock them up to contracts Mm. so they can play the slightly longer-term game of signing up everyone. Yep. I think the issue is, is that this, like, a Blake Christian as well, and I believe his partner's in developmental, so it kind of, in those kind of circumstances, it suits people down to the ground from a personal life perspective. Mm. But... At the, at the same time, it, it's like Blake Christian's not going to go anywhere on NXT. They're not going to do anything. Mm. I mean, he was on those New Japan. I, was it because he was on New Japan Strong? Like, I would imagine. I mean, I know that was all a while back, but mm. yeah, any of these signings, they're not. None of them going to make it. They're signings for signing's sake. Yeah, it's it's just hilarious though if you think of just how much the Indies has been dried up. That mm. now the big. NXT signings, you know, over the last couple of years. It's like Eli. it's Eli Drake, it's Samuel Shaw, mm. it's Killer Austin Cross. Theory. You know, it's 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 they're raiding 
impact like that's where that's where the talent's coming from now you know and it's if you think god what a right we're worlds apart aren't we from kevin owens getting signed and sammy zayn getting signed and, and I, things like that because it's just dried up to such an extent that fucking hell great yeah we've got eli drake <laughs> fuck <laughs> i i i can't wait to see Jordan Oliver and Myron Reed oh, turn God. up when the, when the great MLW signing spree starts up. Alex ain't hit me up. enough, JP. Don't say that. <laughs> and, they, and they're called miscarriage of justice or whatever because they can't call them injustice. <laughs> it's going to be crazy Steve next, I think, getting down to that level Nick now. Gage. We're not a million miles away from it, are we? LA Park, shit sons. They'll be next. <laughs> L.A. Night and L.A. Park. El Hijo de L.A. Night. Oh, Christ. <laughs> yeah. Actually, L.A. Night. L.A. LA Night, that sounds like a gimmick that like Paige's dad would have had in like the 80s or something like that, you know, trying to make himself look a bit flash and a bit Hollywood or something like that. <laughs> yeah. it sounds like, do you remember the way the Baywatch had the spin-off of Baywatch Nights? Mm. It's like the spin-off of L.A. Law or La Law, <laughs> as my nan called it because she didn't understand the concept of, LA of an acronym. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's shocking. And it, it's hard to get – I can't get mad about it anymore. It is what it is. You know, if you like a wrestler, at some point they're going to go to WWE and die. Um, so mm. Ricochet on down. Um, and he's always the lesson. Um, if Blake Christian thinks he's going to do any better than Ricochet, then he's probably got another thing coming. Um, but, you know, you got to say, JP, food's on the table, good for them, etc. Etc. A pandemic, uh, yeah. <laughs> all of that stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, another another news note before we get into the, the next stuff we've, we've got to talk. We did say it was a, pa- a pack show today. Uh, we're about to talk some AEW and New Japan, but before we do, got to mention it. I added in the the Friday, uh, sorry, the, the Monday morning uh, news update as well. It's uh, rumor season, and uh, yeah, Dave Meltzer on his podcast did say this uh, this weekend that. Uh, and Dave Meltzer being our mate who uh, we plugged Grapple a couple of times in the Observer this week, Gareth, and uh, mentioned it on Twitter big, too. Big grapple fan. Oh, yeah, mate, Dave. Yeah, well, grapple fan, Dave. That time we met him at the uh, the Manchester Media Con, you know, we had we had a couple of words for you, Gareth, and we, uh, yeah, you know, oh, you know, you know who we are. He can't spell grapple. He, he keeps going lowercase, which I know is an annoyance for you. Um, <laughs> we'll teach him the ways of the uppercase eventually. Branding, uh, branding, mate. Honestly, honestly, yeah. But yeah, he's uh, he was uh, he was quoting grapple a few times over the week, so that that was kind of cool to see. But also uh, this week, he's been uh, talking about the fact that this forbidden door business. Uh, on Impact, uh, Finjuice uh, got announced on the the Impact show at the weekend as, as coming into Impact. And on the back of that, he was saying that, uh, yeah, Okada uh, is allegedly um, going to be opening the Forbidden Door as well. Didn't specify where, which brought up some scary prospects, JP, of, uh, of Okada uh, returning to, uh, to Impact, um, which, good God, um, I think that... I don't think he'd sleep at night if uh, if if he if he knew he was gonna have to relive those years. Uh, I think the, the 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 smart money is you know oh, he's coming into AEW and and the the endless possibilities there. But yeah, interesting to see uh, this new story uh, continuing on uh, in the face of uh, the big tag match that uh, that also happened on it on Dynamite this past week. Yeah, it was a weird day in Forbidden Door news this week, wasn't it? Um, sorry, a weird week of Forbidden Door news. It was. Um, it, because I don't know if you saw Tony Khan's promos, which I'm assuming he's had a fair, he's had a few shandies before he's he's 
he does them because he was talking about how he is the forbidden door and how because he's opened it up, it's everywhere. It's him and Tony Giovanni. It's so, yeah, wise move. He's learning well from Jericho, isn't he? Um, (laughs) Teaching that. But, like, that's that's a very Jericho move to do that type of stuff. But, yeah, it's very, uh, like, not impact because I know the Sammy Guevara story, like there was one of the things where they were saying, well, what we like Sammy Guevara was going to come in and then um, there was disagreements over creative. So they put Black Taurus in with Decay, which made you think, are you seriously fucking telling me that your big creative idea was to have him come in and tag team with crazy Steve? That's what you're going to do when you get Chris, Chris, the lad who's been mentored by Chris Jericho since the first day of the fucking television program starting and he's coming to your company who you might give the X division title to because he hasn't held a singles title in AEW and that could be part of the grooming. No, crazy fucking Steve. Need him in with Rosemary. Probably that fucking dimension bullshit as well. I don't know. Why not get him to do an intergender tag match against fucking what was her name the undead woman who's called susan these days i i, I forget sue young. young like like there's that which I, I but then there's probably the more realistic one where they were like oh we want to bring you in okay we want you to lose no I'm not good i don't really want to lose and why am i losing in fucking impact like it like the reason i mention a lot of this stuff is is if you go through and i and i must confess i couldn't watch it the, the no surrender stuff, but just looking through it and skipping through bits of it, it was just like, fuck me. This is, anyone good was in one match. Mm-hmm. And I went with Tommy Dreamer in a main event. <laughs> so that is a company whose creative is deservedly should be under scrutiny. Mm-hmm. And as someone who is just a long-term victim of seeing TNA creative do bad things, I, there's no reason to trust them with any of this stuff. Mm. And a card are going in a way, W, you build up to that. You make sure you don't do it till double or nothing. Like you should be leaving it that long. You should be building this up for ages. Like whether or not, like, you know, you have to bring him in in a big, big, big fucking match. Mm. Like something that really kind of means something like, like that would be great. Him in, him in impact is just, I hopefully him, like exercising demons mm. and but there isn't anyone in impact like are we dying to see rich serious. swan versus a card no it can't i don't want to see rich swan versus omega you know <laughs> it's like yeah like i can't yeah it. it's gotta it's gotta be it's got to be aw um i was gonna say on that sammy point i've, I've gotta mm. say I want to see more wrestlers do that. I want the old days where wrestlers yeah. say that's not that's not for me, brother. Like wrestlers need to protect themselves better. I, I've got no problem with the with a with a Sammy Guevara yeah. looking, looking at some Impact booking and going. I'm not laying down for whoever it was they wanted to to put over fucking Crazy Steve or whoever. Like that's fine by me. Yeah, but what yeah, no 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 your worth, know your value, kind of yeah. thing. know where your standing is compared to other people and know that there's other places out there that you can go and fucking work now and if you know stand up for yourself and yeah, to, you know, like you say, protect your character, protect your booking and you fucking earn money elsewhere if they if if they don't want to do that. Like good on you. Wrestling's struggled so much for all these people just so content to be in their job in the WWE for the past 10 years because there was nowhere else for them to go but it's mm. it's you know ruined the product in a lot of way absolutely yeah. like fully behind a return Seth to, Rollins to that kind of attitude has ever said no to anything 
I watched SmackDown this week. He came out. He thinks he's Jesus again, or like some kind of fucking motivational speaker or something. He's basically doing budget CM Punk from when he had the Straight Edge Society. That man has never said no to an idea in his entire fucking life, and everything, every idea they've given him, he's delivered unconvincingly and terrible. But the Seth Rollins that rants for another time. But I, I want more Sammy. I want more Sammy Guevara's than I than I do than I do that, and mm. it's not going to fucking sink the relationship either. There's going to be these teething issues, you know. If if a card that does end up in AEW, I'm sure there's going to be politics at play and there's going to be things to work out or i'll take it uh i enjoy new stories like this and also you know the excitements of it the possibilities mm. of it like yeah it's it's a fun fucking time uh to follow that little AEW impact new japan triumvirate sorry JP. Well, big tone big tone needs to be on callous about this mm. like it needs to be saying this is shit booking mm. like he's been to those television tapings mm. He can't have had... I mean, unless he was absolutely fucked off his eyeballs, mm. like, which he might need to be to sit through, I don't know, AC Romero and Larry D fucking teaming up again or whatever. Mm. Like, that type of stuff. Mm. Like, there's no fucking... Like, that's a company whose creative need to be watched. And you're sending over someone who potentially, in a few years, is someone who would be, like, your main eventer. Mm. Yeah. Like, there are many, like, really, if you, you know, obviously I'll say about MJF beginning the main event. Well, the whole idea is, to, like, you're, you're starting the genesis of what you'd want to be a main event feud eventually between him and Sammy Guevara, mm. yeah? And two players in that scene. And you've got access to one of them. This sounds remarkably like a carder going on excursion. Mm. And what are your natural instincts to do? It's just to go... I want to do this. And they're just thinking, crazy Steve, crazy Steve, crazy Steve, crazy Steve. Put in there, crazy Steve would be a great fucking idea. Johnny Swinger. And it's like, they're people you've got to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Do you let your kids be looked after someone with like, kind of, who speaks to the, you know, speaks to themselves. I want to know where this is going. You're going to ask some serious questions. I wondered myself as well. (laughs) Like, you don't. You take a bit of pride and a bit of care with it, and you think, I'm not going to let you Gareth look after for something out. important for me. <laughs> you ask Gareth you know? if you can get the pub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just fucking anyone take them. <laughs> well, if you were living in Gloucester or whatever that street was, Cromwell Street or whatever, you didn't just think, oh, I'm going to go out for the night. I let the West look after the kids for a bit, would you? No. <laughs> we, did, we, fucking... did get, we, we did get a Pride de Luge last year on Aussie. Yeah. <laughs> Gareth will be in Portugal, just like, yeah, the kids will look after themselves. Let's just uh, let's go down the pool and have a drink. <laughs> sorry. Anyway. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but anyway, all good news in this relationship for this triumvirate. Interesting things happening. To that point, like, we... <sighs> Got loads to to get through in this last uh, forty five minutes or so, but like uh, briefly, we've got to talk like uh, dynamite as well. You know, speaking of the forbidden door, mm. stuff, it finally happened. We got our tag match. We got Kenta on dynamite. What a fucking match that was! Like that was so. Yeah. I lost myself in that match, and I thought, am I just being stupid here? Like, what? Why am I so into this? And then. It seems everyone was. It was just... I don't know whether it was the creativeness of it, like the the crazy spots, like, you know, the Kenta spot that everyone points to, you know, the double stomp uh, off, the, off the stage, which was cool in itself, but it was the fact, the way they set it up, you know, with him with him yeah. ducking under and then running and, and then doing... You know, it could be in a spot completely camera out of nowhere. Angle. Yeah, the camera angle was perfect for it. And you could tell, you know, this being a taped dynamite, the, you know, they the played a little bit fast and loose with maybe some of the editing in the match um, with some of the backstage stuff, but... It was creative, it was entertaining, it felt raw, it felt 
you know, something about Moxley and these kinds of crazy matches, like he insists on doing them, um, but I've got no problem with it because they're almost always good as well. Um, it was just an, an awesome, crazy, you don't know what's going to happen next brawl in a you don't know what's going to happen next world that we're in right now because of all the stuff we just mentioned. Like, gotta say it, like that was, that was definitely one of my highlights of the week, that main event. It's been a great week for tag matches. There's another tag match we're going to hopefully talk about in a little bit as well that I also really enjoyed. But yeah, really loved it. Wild shit. I actually thought, I know that he took the pin in the end, but I thought Lance Archer looked really good as well. And I think there was a lot coming out of that that was building to him being a kind of potential kind of him and Kenny and some sort of like, you know, not on a pay-per-view, but like on a kind of, dynamite that you build up to for a few weeks they protected well. him so and well felt- considering he was losing like it- he he didn't lose anything in that match yeah, yeah. he lost nothing mm. out of it as well and he and he set himself up potentially for i don't know like if he can get a tag partner to go up against the kind of good brothers as well but it was it was just the sort of sheer pace and relentlessness and it was fun and it was wild and it's kind of what it should be it was un- obviously in terms of the television rating it wasn't good but yeah, i mean was the weird. thing that i looked I I look at it as kind of like that day, that part, that day of the impeachment trial was the day that they showed a lot of the footage from the Capitol that hadn't been seen. And that was a major, major news event. And the kind of stuff that you weren't easily able to just sort of digest and then switch over to watch the sport. Mm. Like if it's something that you're kind of engaged with anyway, and the AEW audience seems to be engaged with it. I would say look at the DVR ratings. Well, I know we we kind of bang on about it. What is the plus plus three plus plus two plus seven day ratings? What are they getting for those? That would be kind of more interesting. But I think it it, it worked as a as kind of a payoff mm. uh, for Kenta coming in. If this is like kind of the only times that they're getting him in for this sort of short term, I think he you've got some really good footage to play with. I think. You've got some really interesting stuff there. He appeared to really enjoy it. Mm. Like uh, it was the GTS he delivered to Peter Avalon yes. was a lot better. Thank God. <laughs> yes, got a good one. the one he did to, he, he did another one to Moxley. The Moxley still sold fucking terribly, though, if I remember yeah. rightly. I think we know um, to blame on that. that. Yeah, but it's, I. It's interesting yeah. that one because that's now two weeks in a row that he's ate one, and like judge, you know with hearing that this is in the can, that match, like in my head, it's like Kent is going over in that match. So they've got the belt back in New Japan, basically. But now I'm like, mm, Mox has eight, eight, two GTSs now in two weeks kind of thing. Is it a foregone conclusion that, you know, the belt's going back on Kenta? So again, if they're, if it's a double work almost kind of thing, it's, it, I, I think the way they've built it up, it's, I don't know, it, it's, it's definitely got intrigue in my mind. And as to where the direction this is going, and it might not be as clear cut as as you think it is either. And then, especially mm. obviously with the stuff like the Akada news coming out as well, then you think, oh, actually, you know, how is this all all interweaving going forward? Because I think when we spoke last week, we thought, oh, this is a quick, it's a one off, it's a one yeah. and done. Get the belt off him, you know, like we'll do you a favor, you do us a favor, kind of thing, and 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 then we'll see how it goes from there. But you know, quite clearly, things are maybe more advanced than we we, we presumed they were you know, last week when we, when we talked. Mm-hmm. Or crazy Steve interferes and you get that impact three-way, <laughs> don't you? So, there you go. Very high on him. He, and he doesn't lose for anyone. 
If they're willing to let fucking Nick Nemeth on the TV, then I wouldn't like push it past uh, Crazy Steve being allowed on the TV. That was a that was another low point of this. Apparently, you won a McIntyre. What's that? Oh, Crazy Steve. Yeah, I thought you meant Nemeth. Yeah, yeah. Because that would explain his look, why he's dressed exactly like his fucking brother. Like, did he just walk into Dolph's like cupboard or something and just put all his clothes on? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, that was a low point of the show. Like, I found it interesting, like, you know, on rating stuff. Like, I mean, I don't always, you've heard me say it before. I don't put a, Garrett's a, a stats man, so he, you know, he cringes when I say it, when I'm like, ah, I don't put that much stock in when the ratings drop, you know, 50,000, 10,000, or when Melter's like, oh, five. 5,000 women tuned out in this segment. And I'm like, come on. Like, your sample size isn't that big. Interesting, though, that yeah, the main event, you know, was in the 600,000s and the show started in the high 800,000s for, for Darby Allen and, and Joey Janela. I don't know if you read much into that. I mean, I'll read into it that Joey Janela and, and Darby Allen was a fucking great match. Um, I don't know if that's the, the reason the viewers are stuck around. Maybe it's that Darby Allen pop that, that has happened uh, in previous weeks as well. Um, Joey but... Janela pop. <laughs> there it is, yeah. Garrett. Did he convince you, Gareth, actually? That's a question. <laughs> was this the best Joey Janela match you've seen in a while? Because that was a lot of fun on this show, too. That was my, they're the kind of my two highlights, the, the main event and the, and the start of the show. <laughs> it was Joey Janela, and I was just like, I, I, I was just looking at him like, I mean, he got enough in to look credible for being in the match that he was in, but like, I was just looking Get at him, him and, just, and just, and just, he, he just looks like. 1980s TV job where he was just about to absolutely get fucking decapitated by the Ultimate Warrior or something like that. You know, roll, roll, roll him out for 40 seconds or something like that. He doesn't look like a fucking professional wrestler and he, he shouldn't be the first match that anybody sees on TV because he, he can't fucking back it up in the ring either. Like, he's just... Uh, uh, I, Poor Jolly. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't, I can't. I can't keep coming back to this point. It's just bullying, isn't it? Really, once you <laughs> once you get into these uh, these realms. But um, yeah, Derby was good. Fair. Three point seven five. I slightly gave it on grapple. Oh, that's mainly Derby, to be honest. Get get him into Impact, Joey Janela. Yeah. Get him doing creative in Impact, <laughs> and then he might be actually kind of do some spring breaks. Uh, what What have they got to lose? Mm. It's true. I, you, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even put him in my top three matches if I was. If he was overdoing like a spot for like Future Shock or something like that. It'd be. A, it'd be only in, like the second it. match on the card or something like that for me. Like. <laughs> uh, any any other like brief thoughts on Danny as, as a whole? Like I say, Ryan Nemeth embarrassed himself. Uh, there was Inner Circle shenanigans. I thought Thunder Rosa and Layla Hirsch was a was a great little match. They're probably yeah. my two favorite women's wrestlers right now. Obviously, one is a lot better than the other, but I'm a big Layla Hirsch fan. Uh, but Thunder Rosa is fucking fantastic like um, i'm really i'm really seeing the light with her these uh these last few weeks and and how good she is um that was another highlight for me uh, uh, how about you guys interesting that I, I, I was gonna say because i'd like made the note here about like i'm not so big on layla hirsch and like oh, i've heard a lot of people been positive about it. didn't you see her did you see her at carrot weekend was it yeah was that she, was the show mm. and I, I was wondering if people have got like that bias in their minds because they've not seen her live it's kind of like you know, she looks young... a little convincing to me. Like... Well, I mean, I, I kind of see it, that there is an element of that. I think it's kind of a like young young girl done done good. Like you know, if you know like a backstory, the fact she lived in an orphanage and she made it to America and then she's made it as a wrestler. Like it is hard not to pull for her. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think there's because I've been big on the bandwagon of Layla Hair should be pair with Taz because I feel like that'd be great. That that'd be a fit yeah. gimmick wise, but. Mm-hmm. 
then would she have to be a heel and could she pull that off? Because I do know what you mean. She has kind of got that na- naivety, that kind of not she, she looks a bit like someone who's in herself it, at times. Yeah, she looks she looks like someone to me who's like happy to be there, kind of like, well, I can't, like, can't yeah. believe I'm on telly. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Like whereas then like Thunder Rosa comes out and she looks like a fucking wrestler. Oh yeah. Just like they're not on the same like, planet, I agree with that. Leagues leagues apart. Like mm. leagues apart. I, I think I think Layla Hirsch to me feels three or four years away, like personally, but oh, just, just my opinion. I mean, I think I would agree that she's a way off, but I think it's worth the investment. What you've got to initially work with there mm. is someone who is like kind of a good athlete with a credible yeah. wrestling background who, if it's kind of like anyone there, the, the, the people of like even like the kind of Will Hobbs of the world who are very sort of raw and the rest of it. Mm. That's part of the story that I've always liked seeing mm. and seeing that with her would be, that, and I would kind of probably more lean towards the idea of her like kind of, not being a heel, but Team Taz seems obvious. And in some ways they do the faction stuff a little bit easier where Taz is like somewhat of a baby face on commentary on Dark, but he doesn't kind of not, he doesn't betray his character. Mm. I think if they were just slightly tailor some things, they've got enough people she can run up a record against on Dark and the rest of it, and then sort of build those higher profile matches. Give it two, three years. It's someone who's worth sticking with. Yeah, and I, th- I think you can you can see it there if if, if nothing I think else. It's potential with there. That's the thing, isn't it? Like mm. you're completely right. Like Thunder Rosa is leagues ahead. Thunder Rosa is a star right now, and she should be like the focal point of the oh, yeah. right now. Layla Hesh, yeah, she's more of like a a future prospect of anything. Just somebody that you know really enjoy watching uh, more than anything. But yeah, you know maybe maybe that Taz Taz relationship, you know, for the negatives it would bring, it could help bring out kind of that, that confidence in her as well mm. um but yeah i really i did personally really enjoy that on the show like i say the inner circle nonsense continued um and that was kind of it really as a show no no cody shack stuff um cody for some reason just did a really really long tag match <laughs> with three dudes who aren't really known uh got lee johnson a contract out of it but yeah okay <laughs> that's that's your cody Rhodes booking for the week to, to be fair, I, I really, really enjoyed. Um, I, I really enjoyed elements of that. I, I just enjoyed yeah. Lee Johnson in that match, and, 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 like, and like it very much. Just felt like um, it felt like I don't know. I quite like when I was saying about like the Nightmare Family of the Week, and you were like, "Who's the Nightmare Family?" But like, I quite like the fact that there's <laughs> there's this almost kind of like the idea that you can have these groups in AEW that aren't like necessarily front and center. And Cody can appear one week and he's very individual, and mm. in other weeks he's got like people who are with him and it it sort of almost has a bit of a new japan feel to it in some way like it's a bit chaosish or something like that that mm. a card can be out there and he's he's not like chaos 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 kind of thing where, but then mm. in certain situations he's got, he's got somebody else with him and lee johnson almost has that like young boy kind of feel to it as, as, as well mm. that you you're bringing someone in and pairing it with people but i just loved his promo at the end where he said um he said <laughs> He said about finally winning, and then he said about like the help that he had from Cody oh, and yeah. Dustin and Arn and even Brandy. And then you saw like QT Marshall, <laughs> Q-T Marshall sort of, yeah, furrowing his eyes over his shoulder. And I was thinking that must be written. That must be. I would love it to be a shoot. Yeah, it to be a shoot. But like, it, but like, imagine if it's a shoot. Like his face would be pictured, but like it had to be a work, didn't it? Like the way the, the way it was. You know yeah. the way it was done, but I was killing myself off at that because again, you know my love of QT Marshall, so I quite like the idea of a <laughs> quite 
like the idea of him um, him getting snubbed in this way. I, I was listening to I, um, Todd Martin on the torch. He was reading the QT Marshall. Uh, that's how you're supposed to pronounce it. His, uh, <laughs> his book, and he said, like you read it, and that man has got an ego. Like he see, he thinks still he can be like the next Rock or something. Like that is like how high he thinks of himself. <laughs> so when he goes in the ring and he does these fucking space flying tiger drops and shit like that, he's not just trying to pop the boys. He just he obviously really thinks he can do them. Like I love that that he's got this ego on him. He still thinks he's going to be this big star. It's not happening, mate. Uh, a match with Lee Johnson I, I, where you I, put him over is the best that's going to happen. <laughs> I, I thought he was aware of the fact that he was that, that, like that was like a meme or something like that. I thought he was like playing into the fact that he did those in super slow mo and stuff like that. Like <laughs> amazing. Uh, I, I I do like the idea of this kind of like Cody and his children as being a stable in and of itself that's separate from the elite and other stuff like that. So that big hairy bloke who fought John Moxley a couple of weeks ago, like Nick Camerata, I want to say he's him. joined it as Get well. Get him in blood spot. Ah, oh, it's a great look. Yeah, mm. him and Super Beast. He looks um, 80s as fuck. Yeah, well up for that. He, looks, he should like, have like a world's strongest man type of gimmick. It's tag team with Dino he, Bravo yeah. or something. What, him and a Jeff Capes gimmick? Well up for that. <laughs> I read that he should be in with um, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus as like a Captain Caveman style yeah. gimmick. I was like, oh, yeah. Captain Caveman. Yeah. <laughs> that works. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I suppose, you know, also, you know, at the same time, talking about AEW and talking the Forbindor, we to talk a little bit about New Japan. I can't think we're going to spend long on New Japan this week, lads, but got to throw it in there too. Unlike them. Yeah, there were, there were shows this week um, and there are shows being built too. Turned out Kota Ibushi and Sonada just existed. One to troll us. They didn't go seven hours, although maybe it felt like it at points. And really, it was just there to build to Kota Ibushi and Naito in a match for the Intercontinental title for some reason that Naito seems to care about again for some reason. Hmm. unbeknownst to anyone even the commentary like i was saying to you jb like fucking zack saber jr's on commentary going oh it's fucking stupid they should just get rid of the intercontinental belt why is he carrying it around and then naito challenges for it and he's like why has he done that the fucking idiot like, just even in like kayfabe it makes no sense uh i can't believe i sat through that match for that outcome to be honest um yeah uh, odd times in new japan right now yeah really odd um I actually thought this match, in some ways, I thought it was better than their G1 final, but that was one of the worst G1 finals of, <laughs> That's not of really modern praised. times. <laughs> it's not praised. It means I think I went three and a half rather than 3.25. Mm. Like, you know, that's kind of how I, I felt about it as a match. Mm. But it, it was, it, it, it's, God, I mean, no one needed to... to I mean, they they trolled us. Yeah, it was. It, it just kind of was a match. I got what you said though about the like the snooker commentary as well from Zach yeah. and not being able to hear him at points. Yeah, it was weird when he when he was on there. But this this they just tied themselves into a pretzel with this double champion stuff anyway mm. to just try and kind of extricate it out to someone who originally in storyline has always hated this fucking title. Mm. And it was a symbol of how he'd kind of failed in New Japan. Yeah. That was the whole kind of point of it. And now he wants it. And there isn't like storyline contortions that you can go through where he changes his mind suddenly. It's like you followed, it's like Game of Thrones. And for six series, you followed this kind of playbook of Naito finally getting the big Wrestle Kingdom moment that he got at Wrestle Kingdom 14. Mm. And suddenly George R.R. R. Martin isn't there. 
and he just written in some wild shit. So now he got the intercontinental title back or whatever. Mm. And it's just like, yeah, ice dragons. Um, like, you know, they're just throwing stuff out there. Um, and it doesn't, you know, in some way, did anyone miss the intercontinental title? Mm. No, the idea that the secondary title was this open weight title being held by Tanahashi, that seemed a little bit more interesting to be able to do that. It's, and it's not like the IC title is going somewhere, frankly, interesting. But if you were it's gonna not going to do on it. shit, it's not going on fucking Shingo, is it? <laughs> but it sums up their buffing, doesn't it? It sums up their issues because, like, if you were going to do this, why didn't you do it around WrestleMania? Big creative time? problems. Because that's what this reminds me of. Naito yeah. having no motivation to go after the IC title reminds me of there being no motivation to allow Kota Ibushi to get a title match at Wrestle Kingdom despite the fact that he lost the briefcase. Like, that's what it reminds me of. Like, two very similar issues mm. that I'm sure there's a way if you turn five minutes thinking about this, oh yeah, okay, we'll make the IC title night one, the world title night two or something. Like, easily book your way out of. So the fact that we're ending up mm. here anyway, so fucking odd. And, and, and like, as well, and from that booking standpoint as well, when they haven't had like four titles in the mix, when they've only had the one champion in the mix and then the open weight title in the mix, they've still booked things really badly anyway. And now they're going to have to book the Intercontinental title and also book the US title. And I'm like, how the fuck's he going to manage all that on his plate? He can't even do two belts like in the you know upper mid cards and you know above. Mm. Like, how the fuck's he going to book four? It's going to be dog shit like mm. it's it's i'm just uh i've real concerns like i literally i didn't even watch the second show like i watched i watched day one and then um i try and watch stuff unspoiled but then like i got that main event spoiled not that there was any doubt what was going to happen you know anyway but i got it spoiled in terms of the um you know obviously it not been very good and things like and like i was just like why why am i wasting my time with this just because it's new japan i'm gonna watch it because it's a New Japan, it's a like IWGP title match, and I was like, you know what? I'm not. I've got <laughs> like I've got Real Madrid against Valencia there on the Sky Planner. I'm going to watch that instead. I'm not going to watch. <laughs> I'm not going to watch fucking Ibushi against Sonata and like. What was the score, by the way? Two 0 to Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> what would you give it as a star rating? <laughs> it was a it was a three and a half star match, three point seven five star match, but it was definitely more. Uh, I can tell you this. I definitely, um, I definitely don't regret not watching New Japan Day Two based on everything that I've read or heard mm. about it, and I don't feel like I've lost out in any way by by not watching it, which is pretty tragic, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It tells you where we are, doesn't it? Um, I want to see that. App, really, I, I want to see a football match rating app. Uh, I want to see star ratings. I want, I want that. Yeah, you know, there's money in that. It's wrestling more than New Japan I need, right now. Yeah. Book. Well, I was going to say, I think there's something that, like, we saw the like the attendance for the Castle Attack show is bad. There are reasons around the obviously there was the earthquake in Tokyo. Yeah, but, I don't think that's like, emblematic. Of that's, Plus, they're running the same not, venue over and over again. I don't know. They're running the same venue, but it's very uninspired. Mm-hmm. And I think if they're not careful, there is this like because there are other Japanese promotions out there, as we're going to go into next, and New Japan seems like a company that if you look at it has been just like kind of um like running along resting on its laurels mm. for a long time mm. and thinking we're going to do this and move this person there we've conditioned the audience for this 
but they've done so much of it in quite a lazy way that it feels, uh, and it needs, see, it's a say like creative shakeup. It does need some new voices in the room. The formula stuff as kind of what they, the formula stuff is there. I mean, I know WH Park speaks about this on post pro wrestling. I was chatting to him about this and it's just like this feeling that chase the American dollar, chase the TV rights dollar mm-hmm. and see if, that, and all we need to do is give them sports entertainment because that's what they want and then that's what we're doing. And it's like the things that brought you to this point of prominence, if you think about it, were built on the backs of Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kazuchika Okada having belting matches with a variety of opponents with an incredibly strong fucking undercard of singles matches between people who weren't always for titles, believe it or not, but they were great. And people were invested. You had this match quality and you had these interesting characters. But the story storylines in New Japan, they weren't kind of, they were the usual kind of faction warfare and wanting to get a title and things like that. Mm. But you were completely invested and you were given something in return. Mm. All of these matches, even show Hiromu that I was kind of looking forward to. However, it was 35 minutes following fucking 29 minutes mm. where of, of, awful match that I think I, I might I don't know if I went one and a half or two I was it was on I did other things at the time I think I cleaned the hob <laughs> yeah and you know I'd certainly say I'd give a three star certainly solid good hob cleaning rating <laughs> but and it was better than that fucking match over a set of fingers that nobody's ever cared about from a wrestler who no one really wanted to see other than when he was in WCW in 1992, it just completely fucking shit in a in a division that now Finn Juice are going to be an impact. Like, there's nothing there. Mm. Like that tag division is fucking abysmal. And in some ways, we speak about this forbidden door stuff. It's like, do you know what? If you could get an influx of a like eve like of a few people in from the states, like you fucking need it. Like you really do, because this is this is for the most part quite turgid shite, and I do wonder if people aren't going to turn up. They're not going to turn up if you've got a combination of a pandemic and in the aftermath of an earthquake. They're just going to think, well, what to see the same card that they're lazily going to probably run for the next three or four fucking days? Like, nah, why bother? Mm, totally, totally, and yeah, I've actually had the same yeah. as you. Like, you know, Gareth mentioned he'd only he's only seen day one. Like, honestly, call it Patreon brain. But I was like, oh, yeah, we reviewed that last week. And then I realized, no, we didn't. (laughs) We just talked about other shitty tag booking and rubber chickens and stuff. Um, Yeah, you know, they're asking you to invest this time in them. Yeah, spend half an hour in a tag match to to, to end in DQ. That's WWE stuff, that. And then, you know, like you said, throw out Hiromu and show to have a perfectly acceptable match, but make them do, make them go 35. Or if it's their own idea, let them go 35, which there's no reason in the world for a Hiromu Takahashi match to be 35 minutes unless it's at Wrestle Kingdom and he's opposite Shingo or Will Ospreay or somebody. Like, other than that, like, I don't need 35 minutes as much as I love him. Um, yeah, those, those two days are, were just rough um, as far as watching mm. goes. And yeah, it... it I got very, very, and I say this really about New Japan because I'm still excited about the AEW possibilities. I just got very, very little enjoyment out of two days of New Japan shows, and I can't remember the last time I said that. I can't think of anything where I can go. Oh, but I did enjoy this. Um, there's nothing there. No, and I, I think with with New Japan as well, there's nothing there that makes it feel fresh. 
yeah. I think it, it feels like the, there's they're going. I don't know the combinations that they've got available to them. You feel like you've seen them combinations, you know, quite a lot anyway. And even when they've got someone like Jay White who's coming through and done well, mm. you're still throwing him into the mix there at the top end with guys who he's already had programs with or he's already had big matches with at Wrestle Kingdoms or G1 finals and things like that. And then mm. I think that's where you know. Again, I don't know. You look back, like historically, and uh, again, you just had the, I don't know. I suppose that rotation or evolution of good non-Japanese talent that came into the company, and it just whether they, you know, whether it was in club or whether it was in different things, that they came in and they just created fresh option options and fresh fresh matches there. And like I'm mm-hmm. like, looking and thinking about like that AEW standpoint, and and you know, there's just guys there that you could just throw into the mix. And again, again, like I, I know you're not high on them, obviously, Benno, but just even something like FTR in the tag division or something, it'd just be something different. It would just be something new, no, some new combinations. If it was like you know, if Pack. Obviously, he's got his Dragon Gate um, history and things like that. But if you could get Pack in there, just having a few different matches, you know, it, it mm. doesn't have to be ideally not Kenny and the books and things like that. If it's mm. some fresh guys who you're just throwing in there and you're just making it, um, and, and you're making it, um, you know, giving them that opportunity kind of thing just to be something different, then then I think it would work for for both companies. I, I almost feel like New Japan don't realize how much they need that shot in the arm at the minute and i think you you're you're saying it there jp like that just sort of resting on their laurels and maybe just in the comfort zone a little bit and just thinking like yeah we've had all these years Mm -hmm. of good business and you kind of you forget what gets you to the dance sometimes and you just you know you need to keep things fresh and you need to keep things rolling forward hell had I'd even take Joey Janela against Dookie or something like that for a bit of, a, <laughs> bit of interest. Uh, well, don't go that far. <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely, definitely not going that far. But even someone like Sammy Guevara now, like obviously I know COVID and boundaries and things like that. But if he just suddenly pissed off and he was over there and he was just, he was like left the inner circle and did six months in the oh. in the New Japan Junior Division or something. Fuck impact, be great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, little things like that. It doesn't have to be the top guys, but there can mm. be some fresh faces there that just create new matches and um yeah i cry out for it throw eddie kingston over there as well give him a little uh open way uh, give him a little never title run oh he's earned it he's in oh, there yeah with the big lads uh trading bombs with ishii and shingo oh i'd yeah. live for that um and yeah as uh, i know- think you could bring lance archer in them into the fucking main events i think i think that, that could be kind of fun time. I think that's exactly why he was in that tag. Uh, mm. They wanted a safe pair of hands with Kenta, and that's why he was in there. Yeah, I think that's, that's what I felt. That might be coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, as uh, Ivan says in the chat as well, like even just to freshen things up. Never mind the AW relationship. Yeah, Jay White felt you know, that whole January thing was quite exciting, and I was come back and he's just doing the same shit. He's just in the same. Well, it, he's he's in the he's in the never six man division, just being a heel still. Like. Yeah, like even that would have like a, a shot in the arm if he came back as like this big baby face. Or something. I don't even think that's happening. No, I think he's just he's he's back where you know, he was. What it what a lot of it sounds like we're talking about here is how WWE have treated creating stars mm. and not quite doing it. And sort of like you look at the Sonada one for example, which is three years out of date. Mm. Like if you were ever going to do this, it was kind of three three odd years ago, really. Is it three years ago? Something like that that you would, you would actually kind of where there was a kind of like kind of freshness to him within that, and they don't do it. 
and their system is they're going to build up this for a long, long time until you're in your late 30s, and then you can have a run on top for a year before your body starts to break down. We'll have to push you down the card. And it's like, actually, you might have to change it. The other thing as well is at some point, I'm not saying that they would work with other Japanese promotions. One thing they should look at if they're as, as big is trying to see what other Japanese stars they can sign mm-hmm. at the end of their deal because there's some people they could potentially bring in to some uh, to some aspects of the company that I think would be really fucking interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's, it's, this is a point that I'd like, I wanted to make last week and I totally forgot about it though, but from the, from the AW standpoint, I'm really intrigued to see if they, how much they learn the lesson from like the WWE and from like what we've seen with New Japan currently as well, because um, for as much as we've prayed for their for this positivity about building stars longer term and almost having this tiering system of people being able to pass through the tiers and um, also um, freshness of faces ruthless will totally and be to get people off TV because obviously this is one of the things with WWE that we see with like that elimination chamber lineup and stuff like that. And it's like, Oh God, this guy who's been in the company for 10 years. This guy's been in the company for 12 years. This guy's been, you know, this one's been for nine years or whatever. Like, I think one of the things that's been a big win for AEW has been that feeling of freshness and seeing some new people on your TV and new characters. And I'm intrigued to see if in three years time, four years time when some of these contracts up, if they do just re-sign people and keep them because we've had them and they're AW originals and we need to keep it older than or they just fuck them off. And mm-hmm. like I think that I think they need to do that and they, they should do that because there's a little bit of that with, with with New Japan as well that's sort of like seeping in there that people if you see them too often and you see them for too many years, they go stale and then that reflects on your product as a whole. And they're very, very difficult to shift out of those places mm-hmm. because they're people at the top end of the card and they they won't they won't fall down the cards and they they still want to be in those uh, matches you know like you take a randy orton or something like that he'd have so much more value if he'd have just if wwe had fucked him off five years ago and then brought him back after a three-year break or something like that it would have you know just breaking breaking a run-up like that and and i think um i think with with AEW that could be critical as well because that's going to be a that'll be a horrible scenario if you think the way we feel about them now, if you turn around in three years' time, and it's just like, yeah, these same guys, and but they've added more people, and the roster just feels bloated. But Moxley still has to be there at the top of the cards, and Kenny does, and and you've got these people who are still there in them places, and mm. you know, I think you've got to be ruthless. And then it's one of the things we always look back at, and we like laugh about like time, don't we, in wrestling? And you go, God, I can't believe it. Like Ricochet's runs longer than Ted DiBiase's run, or something Steve like Austin's that, when he was in the Ring or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 <laughs> and all that. And then you kind of look on them runs fondly, and then, but by the end of say, like Ted DiBiase's run, he did feel old and stale, and you were ready to not see him anymore. And yet, that was only like a four-year period or something. And then, I don't know. I, I feel a little bit like New Japan's kind of getting into that direction as well and even with some of these guys who they have sort of tried to elevate towards that top end now like a sonata it would have took something to make me want to watch that sonata match like for you know as soon as that was announced that he was in the world title you know iwgp title match so why do i want to watch this like what like i'm sick of him he's, he's, he's stunk it up for a whole year 18 months like like why does this make me turn on the tv and how many other 
hundreds or thousands of the people are there like me who had that exact same reaction and haven't watched it and aren't going to watch it either like mm, yeah that's it and we've always got to say there is the japanese you know he's over in the building so maybe you know the japanese fans are bang into this evil and sonata push and they're not sick of them you know you know it feels like yesterday when evil came in and, and you know was put with naito that was like five years ago now you know they, these lads have been doing this this act for a long time i know evil's not lij anymore but he's still the same fucking character um yeah jp's moisted Oh bollocks! Have we got to? I, <laughs> I think you had a dead good point there. Didn't um, you? I was, I was, uh, I was a great for you there. <laughs> Best one. No, seriously. Imagine how you'd feel if they were pu- if they pushed the other two members of Lij. Mm. They're pushing Shingo and Hiromu at these kind of spots. Now they still feel fresh, despite you'd be how long think- they've been around. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. And part of the reason why they feel fresh is, guess what? They're having good fucking matches mm. for the vast majority of the time when they're in big main event matches mm. as well. They're delivering. And I think that's the idea of me saying, well, I'd like to watch them again rather than this lazy fucking shite glam rock arsehole who's just not doing anything. Mm. Like, really, which one am I going to want to see again? Which one am I not going to think, well, it's stale because the bloke's not, it's half-arsed. And it's, and I think with the building stuff, I, I often kind of think when you see the, when companies start to slightly fall, it's still that point of, well, the attendance is good and we're still getting this. And it's like, you're kind of misreading the room here. Mm. You need to be evolving with this. And if you're not getting that kind of critical praise, it means something. Mm. If a load of people tell you this film is shit, you're not likely to go out and spend money to go and see that film just to go, well, I'm sure they're all absolutely wrong. After a while, you're going to start questioning it. And if New Japan, if it gets to the point of like you ask someone, is it worth watching New Japan? You're like, not really. Then they're not they're not going to subscribe, are they? Yeah. And it's quite interesting. This is something that like Eric Bischoff has raised a lot when I've like listened to him talk about WCW when he has actually been a bit more humble about his time there and he's been a bit more open about it. Is the fact that like it takes a not while looking. for these it takes a while for these metrics to kind of yeah. come through and the products can be shit, but people still believe it's good and top so they're still buying for a while and you still you have almost this like kind of like residual effect and then if the then as they fade away so much attention has been taken away for the product that now the product's in the shit and then you've almost got like three times a job to try and pull it back because you've lost the mm. faith and confidence of this whole audience this probably ties in a little bit back into our brit rest conversation it does. from, it from does. earlier yeah. as well it really got, does you, you've got this you know you've, it took us a couple of years to notice faith and things like that and then you know you just go with it and you're there for the ride and you mm. you know and then suddenly you realize that the ass has gone out of it and you drop off and then the product's in the shit you know and mm. and you just and I've got to be careful. They, they really have because I think as they have their, um, had again, has their wider aspirations taken their eye off the ball too much at home that it's that that the you know they're finding themselves in this position creatively. Like mm. I don't know, but um, but the rumblings are there. I think definitely, mm. yeah, definitely feel like they're uh, they're running in place here. Uh at the minute um but yeah we got the castle attack shows coming up so yeah you know uh i love the name at least castle attack i think that's pretty cool but <laughs> no can't say well if he was taking place at takeshi's <laughs> castle playground then yeah <laughs> we'll have them all running through those doors with craig charles doing a voice over going, oh, oh a card has fallen into the mud so what accent was that <laughs> 
What were you doing there? I don't know. He was on crack at the time. <laughs> In the back of a taxi having a whack. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we all? <laughs> no. Uh, anyway. It's Old habits die hard, lads. We're past the two and a half hour point. No one's listening anyway. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm, just, I'm just looking at the Castle Attack matches that have been announced so far. <laughs> are they making I you? Didn't realize what they were. I didn't realise what they were. Yeah. Nah. Is Craig in them? Is Craig Charles Only for the weekend it? preview do I know what's on them. Oh, oh yeah, if you do want to know, there was a show on Friday, yeah. <laughs> yeah I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's, not, it's not much to be excited about, though, is it? Just no. you shake, yeah. You're not not <laughs> happy about this. I'm not. I'm just looking at you. I'm just like Goto against Tamatonga. Like, yeah, that's a real match. Yoshi Yoshi Hashi against Tangaloa. Like, oh god. Why are they? I don't. don't know. <laughs> yeah. Can they? Can they go to Impact? <laughs> can God go to Impact? Oh, get them! Get them! Get them anywhere else. Oh, like is, is there? A, is there a worse, more inconvincing tag team than than them two? Like you said before, I give the revival grief. Fuck me, the the God. Tamatonga trying to like build this Bullet Club feuds like on his fucking shitty podcast. He is such a fucking wet wipe of a human being. Like I don't even care if he's like he's doing a gimmick. He comes across like such a fucking lame cunt. I know. Like with with, with, with all his like grandstanding and stuff. It's like mate you haven't done anything. In- You've been like tag champs for about six years. You haven't done anything interesting that entire time. Like you haven't put more than like two stars worth of effort in a match. Mm-hmm in like six years you can fuck off oh, he's and, and in that tag match the other day oh he was annoying me so much like he's just mm. hammy just like terrible facials and overacting and things like i was just like like you know we we criticized wwe for the whole like staring at the hands and all that kind of thing but like I, I, I don't even know what this was i don't even know what tamatonga was trying to do and be in that yeah. in that match it was like it was I don't know if we. Uh, I, can't, I, can't, I can't even articulate it. It was. It was literally just the. the it was like me suddenly being thrown onto TV and trying to like, like go and Gareth be a credible actor or something like that. You know where you, you literally have got no idea what you're doing. Like, oh, it was awful. Oh, there you go. He's Jackie April Junior. He's Jackie April Junior. He's living off his dad's coattails and he's an annoying prick to boot. Yeah, yeah, that's that's perfect. <laughs> and yeah. deservedly, he, when he gets whacked, he's was was one say, of those people like, "Oh I fuck, you deserved it." I wasn't going to say, "Jackie Pro Junior," that is. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, when you put you together, your dream. The dad's hard. Cards, he's not, Great. He's, he's good he's not for you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, moving on, are we sure? Because uh, yeah, we're uh, probably got about ten minutes left, mm. and a couple of other things to to cover. Um, briefly, uh, just mention mention a few things we uh, we all caught uh, over the last week or so. Uh, I know me and JP both caught Bloodsport, and you both uh, caught a little bit of Noah. I'll keep it brief on Bloodsport. There's not much to say about these shows. You know, the whole fake MMA stuff isn't going to be for everyone, um, and you can't really break down the matches anyway because they're not really matches, but. I had a good time watching this on Saturday night. It was an hour and a half long. Presentation was as good as it's been. Um, mm. It was like in, it felt like it was in the basement of where New Japan are running. I'm pretty sure that's also accurate. Um, it was like a dingy basement. <laughs> it was smoky. There was little blood sport, like aprons, just to give it a little bit of flavor. There was like a red color into it. It felt like an 80s. It felt like, you know, the quest or like something where John claude Van Damme's in a fight tournament. Like that, that's the aesthetic you want for blood sport. Um, and they gave you that. 
typical blood sports show you know no fortunately the, the, they've kind of got away from doing the tournament so it's just it's a lot of fights with no stakes you know if you're really you're that arsed the Calder Bacall beat Royce Isaacs like you're probably not um and you might never see it was Scottish well yeah that's interesting. That was a novelty. I have no idea who this bloke is. No clue at all. Like, not a known uh, ICW name or anything. Um, but there was, yeah, there was a lot of that on the show where it was like, okay, that was an all right role. But, like, am I actually ever going to see these two do this style again? Or is that it? It's hard to get invested. I think when they do the tournaments and you can follow mm. guys through the tournaments, I think it's a, it, it, it's a bit better and it's a bit, bit, bit easier to get invested in, in individual people. That said... I thought the undercard was the best part of the show. Um, I thought Filthy Tom Lord and Simon Grimm um, had the best thing approximating like a, a wrestler match. They had a really um, good, like, felt like a real fight, but also felt like a bit bit of a wrestler match. Maybe the most Tom Laurel has actually done in this style, you know, when he's been on these shows, because, like, you know, he's faced mm. homicide and he's done all the wacky stuff uh, on these blood sports shows. So it was the first time it felt like he got to go in there and do a bit of a role. I know you were loving it, JP, with it being the uh, the Filthy Island lads in there. Uh, him and, uh, him and Simon Grimm. Uh, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed Super Beast and, uh, and Bad Two Tito. They are real names of real people who had a real match against each other. Super Beast was just some fucking massive bloke. It wasn't Batista, but if you told me it was, and he, he wants to come and work Bloodsport under a mask, I might have believed you. Similar size and build, maybe not quite as big though. Um, I enjoyed. That. I found the bloke. He's he's on. He was on Facebook. Oh, is he? His cage mate profile. Yeah. He's, is his name Dave? His name's Chris. No, his name's Chris Crotty. Um, he's he's got a kind of weird baby face. Aww, with um, that's really With like kind of Brian Cage sideburns. Sorry to burst Stick to that the bubble. Super Beast, mate. Keep uh, the mask on. And he wears like a cane mask, but from the Batman and Robin, uh, the Batman and Robin film. Oh. If you remember that cane, was it Jeep Swanson? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was, wasn't it? In that film, yeah. I'm just thinking there that I, I hope he comes to the uh, ring to Chris Crotty make it a jump, jump, the daddy. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Tom Lawler came out. Uh, wasn't he come out? It was a Backstreet Boys or something like that. It was, um, he had some. Oh, he... oh, New Kids on the Block, oh. was it? New Kids on the Block. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Hanging tough, isn't it? Hanging tough, yeah. There's room for, for that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that was a lot of fun. Super Beast just suplex and bad dude Tito all, all over the ring. When it's those types of matches, when it, you know, I do enjoy the you know, the mm. round stuff, and I think maybe you're more into it than, than I am, JP. You know, I'm sure you were more into J.R. Kratos and Alex Coughlin, one of your young boys in there who, uh, who looked really good um, in the style. Yeah. But, you know, I, overall, as like a... As, it was those little bits in the show that were kind of the exciting bits to me kind of the undercard more than the main events I don't think David Boy Smith and Calvin Tankman was any good I didn't think Jeff Cobb and Chris Dickinson really had much going for it uh, for me it was more those those undercard matches I don't know if you're uh, mm. the same way JP yep pretty much I I, came, I think I said to you it's just like it needs a title just need some sort of focus on these shows. Need something for all of these people to be aspiring to. Now, whether you do it in kind of weight divisions might be a way of having kind of two titles on there. And I think you could get some interesting kind of build-ups as well. You can get a different kind of range of people. Mm. I like the concept. What it reminded me more is, have you ever seen the film Bronson? Yeah. With Nick, with with, uh, with Tom Hardy. Yeah, it's um, uh, Nicholas Windham Refn, isn't it? So it's got like the neon that's like, it. drive. So yeah, I see what you mean. Do you remember the yeah. bit where he's doing the bare knuckle boxing stuff? Yeah. It kind yeah. of is sort of closer to that type of vibe. Mm. And I really love the presentation of it. Mm. Like even down to the website, I just thought this is very good, very sleek, very un-GCW. Mm. But it's, and I thought the commentary 
was really good as well with Josh Barnett and is it Max Bratos? Mm. Like, and obviously there's a lot of sort of Southern California guys that were mentioning. So I, I kind of like the freshness of it. I, I have generally always enjoyed these shows as something different. And I think there's a place for kind of a match like this on most cards. Mm. Like if you're talking about the variety and you've got your comedy match, I think you want something in there like this because the beauty of them is a lot of the times they don't last more than five minutes as they shouldn't do. No because they're meant to be more of a real fight. They're like the ambition tournaments we've gone to. Nothing in that style should be going like kind of, I mean, I know they did Minoru Suzuki and um, Josh Barnett going to a draw, didn't they? That was mm-hmm. like kind of half an hour. That's really the only kind of occasions where you can get away with it and not with not with it being as it is at the moment and with no crowds. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's a type of style as well that kind of works for that for what it is really. Um, mm. I'm hoping by the time they get because the, the big announcement coming out of the show was Moxley. Um, unfortunately, he's going to be facing David Boy Smith Jr. on the next show this weekend. But you can tell from the commentary, Josh Barnett fucking wanks over David Boy Smith Jr. and how legit he is and how like oh yeah he can really do this style. So fucking boring. Like, yeah, I don't understand if your GCW allow him to go over a Calvin Tankman who's like your guy. Like, Calvin Tankman sells more pay per views than that for me than Davy Boy Smith Jr. against uh, yeah. against Moxley. But feels like that match, you know, the build, you know, they put Davy Boy Smith Jr. over purely for that. They're going to do him and Moxley, and then Moxley's going to get a credible win. Um, and then they're going to finally do the Barnett match, uh, Barnett and Moxley, that's been promised for a while now uh, at WrestleMania weekend. Again, do it accompanied by a tournament or something like that, I think I'll be more into it. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not going to watch the show this weekend. There's always something on these shows I like, but definitely share your views on it, JP, that I do want more stakes out of these things. Um, mm. Big Moxley matches are one thing, um, but I would like a little bit more for for these undercard guys, as much as I enjoy the presentation. Like I say, I'm never going to complain about a 90-minute show, ever. Um, that, that's fine by me. Like I don't mind paying 15 quid for a 90-minute show. But I do mind a little bit paying 90 quid for a 15 minute, 15, sorry, an hour and a half show where the last two matches, you know, the big matches don't deliver. You need the big matches to deliver to make it feel like you got your money's worth. Um, and I'm not sure we got that on this card. But, you know, again, hopefully with Moxie and uh, in a big position going forward, we'll uh, we'll get more exciting stuff, um, even if he is hamstrung by a, a DBS junior match. Um, mm. But yeah, while I was watching Bloodsport, uh, Gareth, uh, you caught a bit of Noah, and yeah, I believe uh, you did JP as well for the uh, the big headline that we uh, we revealed on uh, on Friday. Yeah, I mean this. I mean this is one where we've sort of like talked about me not wanting to watch the New Japan match, <laughs> like uh, sorry, the New Japan second uh, day. Like this, I, I was excited all week about Noah Destination. <laughs> like it was, I, was I, I genuinely couldn't wait to watch it. Like if um, you, you know, again, again, I think I'm a, I think I'm a Noah convert after the back end of last year. That one, like for me, it's almost like this is almost like the dream scenario of the app is that like you see like some highly rated match like that Goshiyazaki Sagira match that obviously I've waxed lyrical about for however many times on here and then but it's mm. just made me watch like a bit more and a bit more and then when I was like looking at this card I was like oh yes I can't I can't fucking wait for that and then um I, I had a like real good time and and I don't know if it's again just that feeling of like freshness and just some of these people just been a bit different to again a lot of the mm. I don't know tired old faces from New Japan <laughs> cropping up again and uh, again but um seeing there obviously there's a lot of tired old faces on this card and there's some <laughs> it was better there's some people it's the there best was... proper 50 year olds you'll <laughs> ever find <laughs> they're over 50 <laughs> division is fucking strong <laughs> It was uh, some, definitely some faces that you were like pleased to uh, pleased to see, but I think the way that it was like 
mixed as well was was definitely something that was like uh, massively positive about it like i won't go through the the full um full card um, <laughs> again i don't think we need to go to that level i think what i would say though is there was the you know i think one of the first points i wanted to sort of talk about was the the junior heavyweight title match between mm-hmm. uh, uh, daisuke harada and um, uh, seiki yoshioka which was a match that I gave three and a half stars to on the on, on the app that I really enjoyed. It was that kind of again, it was that clash of styles between the the power and the sort of like speed and the motion uh, that was that, that was in there. But the match was like it was only eleven minutes long and it was mm. just like balls to the wall and it was just like high impact and it was it was just really good and really enjoyable. And you just think of there from like the junior heavyweight match that I watched, I think the following day that went 36 minutes and just felt absolutely bloated and entirely unnecessary. This was one that was 11 minutes that I felt like, actually, if they'd have added another six minutes here or something, this could have easily been a 4.25 star match the way that they went at it. And it still would have been a sub 20 minute match. Whereas obviously there with Hiromu and, um, 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 show in the in the main event. The other one that just seemed like endless to to me, and this this just felt like a breath of fresh air that they would put on like a junior title match like this that um, that went that uh, went that lap length of time. Like that was pretty much like the first highlight of the the show to me. I don't know. Did you watch the whole show, JP? So I watched because you watched the Japanese and I watched the English commentary, and I'm assuming did you get the like their packages their promo packages they are fucking, they're better than new japan yeah they are like the kind of way the aesthetic of how they film it like keno stood in front of oh. like an ocean and stuff like that, that it's brilliant. they use this really kind of funky 70s music in their like kind of intro for it it's wild how they do it and the and the commentators they've got they've got um stuart fulton and Mark Pickering, who who are Scottish and Welsh rep, uh, uh, respectively, both live in Tokyo. But it has a kind of Olympic commentator's feel to it, where there's one who's like a bit more overly excitable, and then the other guy is like he kind of a, your expert. You're only really familiar when he's talking about curling, but the time when he's talking about curling, you're really into it. Well, at this time, he's not talking curling. He's talking pro wrestling, Noah specifically. So they're filling you in with an absolute ton of stats. And the thing I was going to recommend, like, was actually for some of this, Gareth, you're going to go back, like, I'd say watch it with the English commentary as well, because it was, and I've watched them for a couple of shows that they've done, and they have gotten, they've gotten better. They weren't bad, first of all, but there was obviously kind of ironing out a few things, but I I really like that. I think it was with, like, that one was, like, when it was the, what was it? It was the Shiazaki Nakajima match last year. Yes. I think I had that commentary and I said it was almost like Eurosport style commentary. You said like Olympic style Absolutely. commentary there. That was like, that was the the vibe I got from them. So I'd, I'd definitely be interested in uh, watching that again. But then obviously like the the next one after this was- More sports, match. which is important and less sports entertainment. If you look at New Japan commentary now, it's starting to get very sports entertainment. Yeah, this feels this feels like sport, doesn't it? Like I say, it, does, mm. it feels like flicking through the channels and there's there's a, some judo tournament on or some uh, BJJ tournament on or something like that 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 you that you just end up tuning into. But the um, then you had that like next match, the tag match. Is this the one that you referred to? Oh. The, the Junaki Arma Marufuji match against uh, Kimiya and Inamura. Loved it. Fucking good match this was, wasn't it? Like fucking great. <laughs> I mean, for me, they're like. Like Inamura, 
just looked like baby King Kong Bundy. <laughs> like yeah. he was just like, and, and like he had a mohawk a while ago. Oh, like he, he just like. Uh, again, I love this match. It was it was it was it was just like the the whole I don't know. The, it was proper dad's lad stuff, wasn't it? You know, obviously it was the it was the veterans there, and it was like the young lads like fighting for that bit of credibility with them, and you know, like yeah, you know, very much very much sort of prove that they um sort of had to prove themselves to the uh, to the older to older wrestlers that were in there as well. But I mean, like. There's just just some great great stuff in here, you know. I think just some of the great striking exchanges with the mm. real like there was a, there was a, a forearm exchange that was just like it, it was proper just like dad and lad getting into it like the first time that the sixteen year old son like steps up to his dad or something like that kind of thing. It, it very much had that vibe to it to me, and I, I absolutely like absolutely for Alex. That. Only just, a few more years, man. <laughs> oh, exactly. He'll be chinning me before too long. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Uh, way fuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he'll be in the back garden. Um, anyway, um, but Kiyomiya again, obviously, he had that run with the belt and, mm. and things, but he, but he just, I don't know, the more I see him, the more he exudes star quality to me. Yeah. And I think the more that he's sort of, you know, he's growing older in age, but he's growing. I don't know. He's almost like accelerating in ring from everything that I've seen mm. and gone back and watched over the, you know, from the last, last, last couple of, of years. I think he, he looks like, you know, he looks like the, the, the real deal and he's, you know, like really, you know, like really good, good stuff to watch there. But I mean, I, I gave this 3.75, which was, you know, like for me, just felt like, you know, again, really strong, really strong tag team, tag team match. Um, and then you had that like nice sort of show respect at the end with the, the two old guys just kind of having a few nice words to the to the uh, to the younger ones after the after the match, and it was it was very much like again it was just <laughs> it just felt like that dad and lad thing of like like all right we've got into it like next time your mum tells you to do the dishes you fucking do them next time won't you and yeah I will that, you know <laughs> but you know you've earned my respect and 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 I respect you more and I was my dad as well kind of thing like it definitely had that uh, had that yeah feel, you would it. you would turn to your dad and go why are we doing this in, in front of approximately four thousand two hundred people though <laughs> live on pain in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> In the middle of a pandemic, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I went four on that one. Um, I loved the exchanges between um, Akiyama and Kiyomiya, like initially, where like, and it was, and this is where like Kiyomiya, who looked like a kind of bit of a charisma vacuum a little while back and quite nervous and, and starstruck by the stage. Well, in this, it's just like his facials are great. Like he's really kind of quite expressive now. And I think his selling's really good. And, and Inamora is, if they do it right, like that's your big hoss lad you're going to for the next sort of like 15, 20 years. And the fact that Kiyomiya had got that got that pin on Marafuji. And it, and you know the way it is in Japan. It's not just beating Marafuji at Kurokan. It's beating Marafuji at Budokan, which in, and, which in and of itself has the importance. And that was the thing on the English commentary they were saying. It was like, and this historic victory because they've won at Budokan. And it's the first time back here in 11 years in front of what looks like, I'm imagining it's a kind of honest crowd as well. It's about 4,200 for it. Where Noah have been as a company that was give or take dead a year ago. That's, that's really something for that. Um, what did you make of um, Keno versus uh, Masakatsu Fanaki? Cause that was really brief. 
it, it was. I it was. I was surprised when the finish came there. Like it, it was. It, I mean, I've given it three point two five. Like I, I, I enjoyed it. I felt that was kind of like as far as I could go. But like fucking hell, like Funaki kicked the shit out of him at points. Yeah. Like he, he, like there was the. Uh, there was a point where, like, Kenu came off the top and uh, uh, Fanaki gave him a huge knee to the face, and I thought he's just fucked him on purpose. Like, <laughs> like it, it really, really felt like that. And then when, like, there was one where he'd like, um, he, he was down and he was just kicking the shit out of his chest. He was yeah. absolutely kicking fuck out of him. And then, like, and then, then you just like Kenu land that dragon suplex and just got the win one, two, three, and I was like, oh. Is that it kind of thing? He felt like he had zero offense in the whole match, and then just suddenly, like, he just popped that uh, dragon suplex out of nowhere and, and got the win. But and then, like, and then it, after afterwards, like, he'd almost like Finak is holding his hand out to shake his hand, and Keno just doesn't do it and just like yeah. fucks him off. And I was just like, yeah, it's good lad. Like, I like that. You've just just like beat, you beat the shit out of me, but I fucking beat you and fuck off, get out of my ring, kind of thing. Like, very much uh, felt like that. I was like, good lad. <laughs> It's it's the thing I've liked about Keno, and this gimmick has been with him with this um, national title is him taking like Sakuraba and older guys to kind of prove I'm as hard as you lot. But he's also a complete cock. Like he just is very, very like kind of like just gets angry if anyone else gets attention. So it plays perfectly into his role, which is as that kind of secondary champion kind of bitter starting to become more of a veteran there as well but like i say 10 minutes in a semi-main benno like you'll take that these days you know the main event's going to be longer and just to throw in some ages here, he's fin- he's 51 Fanaki. we had a, a gawa on earlier was 54 segura's 50 he was on the undercard had a fucking near match of the year last year then you've got Akiyama, who's 51. Apparently, his DDT match he had at the weekend, which I know you'll be watching, Benno. Like, that was great. And then you've got Muto at 58 in the main event, which, if See, I could say I about this... For. I was waiting for you to get to the yes. interesting bit, to be honest with you. Well, <laughs> you know what I felt no, like then? I felt like when like, you were in full JP teacher mode then, where I was starting to browse my phone a little bit and lose myself in the, the Twitter oh, feed yeah, yeah. as people review the AEW women's matches that are happening live right now. Like, so what do you think, Richard? What's your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Tell me about Mutomates. So, I'm interested in that. <laughs> Sorry. You know what? <laughs> if you watch this as a match, yeah, it's actually really good. I went four stars on this. Holy shit. I actually think this is a really good, well-worked main event. Mm. Muto can't run. So a lot of it is him working on Goshi Azaki's legs. So he can't run. And he can still do limb work. Mm. So that's what he's doing. And Shiazaki's fucked after this heroic title reign. And he's breaking. He's, he seems to be more tape than man at this point for like how he is. I mean, like Ron Reese is probably thinking, shit, wasn't I doing that kind of gimmick back in WCW? But, and so it worked well for that. And it was never kind of like, they 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 went out, they did the kind of classic, we're going to stall for a bit, so we'll go outside and brawl for a bit and the rest of it. But it was all fine. It was, it was all kind of engaging. And then there's, it's like, it, you know, it, it works, you know, and I knew what the result is in here. So I was watching this, preparing to fucking hate this. And I say this to someone like Gareth, who like the great Muta is like in my top three kind of beloved wrestlers, certainly from my childhood, along with like Flair and Rick Rude. They're like, you know, they're kind of always there. 
But there is a point where like, you know, and it was kind of like kind of building up where Muta had hit two shining wizards and he narrowly got pins and he was going to go up for the moonsault, which he'd retired because his knees were absolutely fucked in like the 90s. We're talking 2021 here. And then he starts walking up, but he can't kind of do it. And then Go comes up, lifts him up for like a superplex and just fucking drops him on his head, which I just went, oh, fuck. Like, it is horrible. I thought he killed him. him. But no, he kind of like no-sold it. He kind of starts sitting up going like, a bit nasty. (laughs) And then just kind of fucking carries on and then starts taking the Go and Lariats from... um, from Go, and it's like Go thinks I'm in the winning stretch here because I've nearly killed a 58-year-old man a couple of minutes ago. And then Muta hits a Frankensteiner, which isn't good, but the way he lands works for the finish because he's sitting on his he's sitting on his shoulders, holding him by the neck down on the mat, and then he counts three. And then you've just got these this like shocked look on Go's face of like, this can't be how my fucking title reign ends. And at the end of the match, it's like he's just like, I'm not fucking having this. I'm not having this at all. And it was great. But putting your title on a 58-year-old KG Muto is not the way to go. <laughs> but it appears to be done with the express idea of he beat Kiyomiya before Kiyomiya's due his victory back. He's being set up for that main event run. I won't lie, I enjoyed this, and I was fully prepared to hate this. I enjoyed this so much more than I should have done. Yeah, I went four stars on it. Yeah, I, I originally, I initially went three and a half, and then I nudged up to three point seven five. Um, because, like the more I, I thought about it, and it, it probably was for that same reason that the, the more I thought of it as a match, I thought it was it was worked to perfection around mm. the limitations of of what Muta could do, and um, and. It, I almost kind of had to, I tuned my brain out of the fact that it was a 58 year old man and sort of took it on face value of this is the, you know, it's, it's this. He know, still this kind is, of looks basically the same as he did in 2001 when he was doing his first major comeback in all Japan. Yeah. And like, yeah. and I mean, just some of them spots, obviously, I mean, you've referenced there, the, 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 that, that head drop off the fucking top was just unbelievable. Man. Like when, like it was, it was absolutely as, as, as sick as fuck. And that Frankenstein was shoddy, but just the way you, like you say, the way it rolled into the pin where he's holding it down by his throat. I don't think I've ever seen anyone pinned just getting held by the throat kind of thing. Like it was just, it was, it was, it was superb for, for that reason. Just, I love Moto and just a couple of other things there where he was like, just screaming motherfucker as he like threw knees at him <laughs> and like he landed, <laughs> landed the shine and was a child motherfucker. <laughs> like I was just like, yes, I was fucking there with him. Um, but oh yeah, it was, it was one of them. It's not necessarily going to be your, um, like, you know, your long-term booking thing, but just, a, I don't know, as a moment for something when I first saw it booked, I was like, oh, this is a bit of a shame because I've been getting into Noah. And then actually, I was intrigued and then like came out of it positive at the at the at the back end. And then obviously um, you know, when when Kimia came down and make the challenge after the match, like again, that was like a you know, a good uh, you know, kind of spark of uh, inspiration. Definitely got me interested in the next one and watching Muto like stumble stumble up the ramp and like nearly fall off the fucking ramp because he could hardly walk to get back behind the half curtain. an hour. Uh, 
I was like, Oof. I was like, God, he's going to be a fucking soul boy in the morning. But um, oh yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it and watch it, Benno, watch it. 3.75 from me, four from him, <laughs> averaging out at 3.75 on the app as well. Like it's, uh, he was, Goshiazaki was reacting like he'd been robbed by VAR. Mm. It was just like, I'm better than him. I've deserved to win this. And he's getting some fucking shitty decision off a fluke. It's kind of how I felt against that Arsenal Villa game where they scored after two minutes through one fucking bad mistake. And then that was it. That was our game over with. And it was like it was like a kind of sense of injustice about it, um, but yeah, I sent you a photo of his of his face afterwards because he just looks an absolute like it, it's a real kind of view for it. But yeah, putting a fifty uh, just again to stress, making him your champion is not a good idea. But this was as much fun as it was going to be. I don't know. We've massively overrun. So I'll shut up. Yes. Um, <laughs> anywho, uh, anything else you guys want to mention? Um... People should go out and watch Noah. Um, anything else? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, 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 you had a face there, Benno, when we were talking. Like, I have a face when you used to were talking about American politics, and I just go <laughs> quiet for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at the clock, mate. We're on three hours, three hours 15 minutes. So we need to. Uh, yeah, sorry. Sorry. Hey, 10 people have stayed up live with us, so there's still people around. Uh, God bless you. Live in the chat. We appreciate you. Um, yeah, I suppose we should wrap things up. Uh, it's been a bumper show, but there was a lot to cover this week, so it's going to be one of those mm. weeks. Uh, obviously, you want more of us? Uh, patreon.com slash grapple for as I said earlier you get the uh, the JP news updates we'll be doing a weekend preview on Friday for whatever that WWE pay-per-view is at the weekend and everything else going on we'll also um, be doing our mixed take episode and yes the uh, the bad boys have one um, in the poll so we'll, have to get, we'll get our thinking caps on with uh, with Matty for the uh, the matches we're going to put together for that keep an eye on the uh, the Patreon page for uh, for all of the detail on that and how you can uh, help us select one of the matches but yep yeah, other than that Follow me on Twitter at Benson Richard E. For the Grapple App, Grapple App. Anything more from you guys? Yeah, get get on, get on. Download the Grapple App. Dave Meltzer's favourite app. He <laughs> loves it to val- loves it to use the app to validate his own opinions these days. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> John, John, Dave, get with the masters. <laughs> Yeah, I just want him to log on and just never be able to cope with the uh, the five star rating system. But you'll figure it out. <laughs> How do I do more than five, Gareth? HS Meltzer at Gino.com will be sending those uh, complaints over to, uh, to Gareth. <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, the Dave Meltzer indoor scrap laugh definitely. Uh, download the Grapple app and yep, stay tuned to us. We'll be back next Monday with more fun, more hijinks, and Lord knows after this week what next week will bring. Cheers, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts.